0: tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie.
1: Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you to make a call. Leanne is producing today. Coming up on the show this morning, the Ivan Yates uh, outburst about the Irish language is still being discussed over the weekend. Uh, Ali is out in us in Tipperary Town today. I'll be speaking to Deputy Alan Kelly about the RTE chaotic situation. New policy for tickets at GAA matches what Imagine there will be a lot of controversy about that. We'll talk about school uniforms. We'll be hearing from Richard Malloy of Family Carers Ireland on how the uh, association um, wants you to vote in the upcoming referendum. Uh, we have uh, women uh, women in business focus uh, today, and we'll be speaking about first responders group. In Mullinahone, so all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text in WhatsApp oh eight three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at some of your front pages and right across the newspapers today, uh, there is coverage of that uh, wonderful uh, Bafta win uh, by uh, Killian Murphy, Corks Killian Murphy, of course, and uh, oh boy, holy moly! Thank you very much. Uh, near last for words. Cillian Murphy last night became the first Irish-born actor to win Best Actor at the BAFTAs uh, firmly rubber stamping I suppose his Oscar credentials uh, three weeks ahead of The Biggest Night in Hollywood also on The Examiner today two men in their 40s continue to be questioned at a Garda station in the southwest in connection with what is believed to be the biggest ever haul of crystal meth in the country <clears throat> also on the front of The Examiner hopes of a ceasefire In the war in Gaza, fading amid uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, repeated rejection of calls to hold off on the Rafa ground offensive. The Irish Independent, once again dominated by a very smiley photograph of Killian Murphy. And uh, their headline telling us that new lender Moco is prepared to issue mortgages that people can pay off until the age of 80, can you believe? Uh, most lenders have credit policies that mean they want mortgages to be paid off by the time the homeowner has reached the age of 70. The Irish Times, and again it's dominated by a wonderful photograph. This time it's of Irish swimmer Daniel Whiffen on the, on the way to winning gold in the men 15, men's uh, 1500 metre freestyle um, at the World Aquatic uh, Championships in Doha, but it's a great photograph. It's taken from underneath him in uh, the swimming pool, and it's it's, it's really an award-winning photograph, I think. Um, Also, we're reading on the front of the Times Today, Illegal. Uh, analysis carried out by the Free Legal Advice Centres, that's uh, FLAC, concerning next month's uh, referendum proposals has led to its uh, um, supporting the proposed family amendment to the Constitution, but not the ineffective and implicitly sexist uh, statement, uh, amendment indeed, on CARES. That's a very interesting piece today. We'll be chatting about that uh, later on as well. The Irish Daily Mail. And their main story, um, at the media minister, is to haul RTE's Director-General, Kevin Backhurst, and uh, the Board Chair, Shun Nirahaleg, uh, before her this morning to assist, uh, insist on full transparency around golden handshake exit payments um, and saying it's vital to rebuilding trust and secure uh, future funding indeed for the national broadcasters. And that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to make a comment on any of that 83 oh, three, double 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 Now, the GAA says it will no longer be accepting screenshots of tickets for entry to matches. Mobile tickets will now have to be downloaded to your phone wallet are printed in advance. Now, the organisation says this is standard practice and it's being put in place to prevent GAA fans from being scammed. The change will be in place um, from this weekend at Croke Park. Now, Peter Ryan is a regular contributor to the show and he joins me now. Peter, good morning to you. Thank you.
2: Good morning, Fran. How are you
1: today? I'm very well indeed, Peter, and good, good to talk to you today. I think the, the last time you and I spoke about uh, GAA policy was where they weren't accepting cash anymore. What, what are you making of this, Peter?
2: <laughs> I, I, it's really hard to know how to make of it, with Fran. It looks like they're really trying to stop a certain section of the, of the community and the older people especially from actually going to matches. It's, it's really crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and, and would you be aware, because, I mean, I've downloaded stuff to the wallet that's on the mobile phone in the past, but it's it's kind of complicated enough, or maybe I'm just showing my age here now.
2: Yeah, well, well Fan, most people I'm talking to, and especially my own age and, and myself, the only wallet I know about is the one <laughs> I have a few pounds inside. So yes. the, the, the story of um, putting something into your wallet inside your, in, in, in an electric device or in a mobile device, so that is kind of... Um, a little bit um, far fetched for, for some of us, like you know. But I, my, my own lads and lads are trying to explain all of this stuff to me. And um, when I go somewhere, I have to put something into a wallet. It puts it all together for me and just press that button and do this and that. But I've been talking to people over the weekend now about this. Mm. Uh, people are totally—they have no clue what's going on. And the younger people are telling me, "Ah, well, this is the GA because what was happening was." If you screenshot a ticket, you can go into the match and their, um, their technology isn't up-to-date enough to show that it's after being clicked in once and it won't work anymore. So nice. you can send that screenshot back out and somebody else can come in on it. So that's why this is all coming in. It's right?
1: So, so do you think that when, when they come out and say, really, what's behind this is to prevent GAA fans from being scammed? <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Right. No. no, it's to make sure they get every last penny themselves. And you see, the younger people with technology, they were way too bright for them again. So they were able to use this. And instead of uh, the one screenshot might get a half a dozen into a match. So they cop that fairly quickly. And the technology is not good enough because if you go to concerts or go to premiership matches or that, mm. once your, your, your ticket uh, is, is um, snatched, you know, goes through the yeah. um, the or whatever, that's the end of it. You yes. cannot, yeah. it will not work again. But uh, the, the, by all accounts, the GA technology is not up to that standard and uh, mm. you can actually use the ticket by sending it on to someone else and they can follow you in with it and that's where this all came from. They're, from they're
1: saying there is an alternative that you can choose to print
2: your ticket. I, I don't have a printer at home, do you? Do you have a printer at home? No, 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 no. And uh, like this is all if I decide at um two o'clock that I go down to the match in the Field or in um Tranmel and the, the press and I'm in town, I God, I'd like to go to that match. Uh, you can't do that anymore. Because, first of all, you have to go off and see, can you download a ticket? And then if you're not able to put it into this wallet they're talking about, you have to go away somewhere and get it printed. And then come back. And by the time that's all done, the match is over and you've forgotten about it anyway, you know. so.
1: And, and when they come out and wrong. say, Peter, that, you know, these measures are kind of standard practice for events now and, you know, we have to well, just, move with the times, uh, old yeah, fogies like you and me.
2: Yeah, it's a standard practice for us all our lives to put our hand in our pockets in the real wallet and take out a few pounds and pay to go into something. Hmm. That cash is a legal tender. Hmm. And only for we're such a quiet nation. And I asked, I said this before when when, when when, it was in the political scene. Why not go to the gate and, 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 and of the GA and boycott it, the people in power, and say, come on and support us? And instead of 500 people uh, giving out about it and then going in, just boycott it one day and see if they change. Because a pound is a pound and a fiver is a fiver, and should be, they should take that.
3: Yeah, it's because
2: interesting. When you, because we, we, plant, yeah. when you go inside the gate, plan. When you go inside the you hand out four euro or five euro for a programme. Yes, that, no that's the that.
1: irony of it, isn't it? Yes. Th- yeah, th- yeah, they, yeah. They'll take cash off you for the programme, but you can't mm. pay cash. At uh, the gate, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. Do you not think, though, that the younger people will just see this as, but you're, this is the way it is everywhere else, so we'll just go along with it.
2: They probably will, and the rest of us will have no choice but to go along with it as well, friend, because they won't change. Hmm. They have yeah. never lived; they haven't just once. To any of the arguments that any of us have put forward over the last. Yeah. Months, two years
1: now. Well, that so, that was my oh. note here to, to say that to you, Peter. I mean, yeah. you know, we all give out about various different things that the GA mm. are choosing to do, and, you know, we're all up in arms, and it's all over national and local radio, but but they're not returning on anything. They make their decision, and they move on.
2: Oh, yeah, and they just, like, and and, and they look at you as if there's something wrong with you, like, why you know, why, why would you be giving out about this? Why mm. are you say? But the reason I'm uh, fairly strong on all this is you would not believe. I'm in public life, as such. You would not believe the amount of people that contact me and say, "Peter, fair play to you. At least you're talking what we are thinking. Mm. You're talking what the ordinary people are saying and and want to say, and they don't have a platform to say it. and And they really, people really appreciate the like your so your show, giving ordinary people a say on these things, son. And it's, it's 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 unbelievable for them that at least they said. This is what we want to say. But the GE are not turning and haven't turned and don't seem to ever want, will turn, you know.
1: Some somebody is saying to me here, Peter, that, you know, the option is go to your local shop and you can get your ticket. Is is that is that a possibility?
2: I I am sure it is. Mm. I've I no idea. Mm. But by the time you go to all that much trouble, you probably won't want to go to the match anyway.
4: <laughs> and why should you
2: why should yeah. you have to go to your shop to buy a ticket to win to you? uh um, GA ground yeah and i I'm,
1: I'm sure not all shops uh, will be able to facilitate you there either you know oh,
2: probably not no <clears throat> no probably not and uh i you know i'm out in the country and on a regular basis um the systems are down mm. so do the day of a match if the system is down that's you can't go to the match or if you have all this stuff inside in your wallet and your phone and your and your battery die yeah that's gone. Or if you want your your son or daughter or somebody to download a ticket for you, they'll download it, but they can't send it to you anymore now. Son. It has to be done on your own phone now.
1: So oh, I, I didn't to, realize that, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, no, you can't send it anymore now. See, that's what the screenshot was. Oh, was that inside like, like, Okay. Yeah. Son or daughter could download it for me, and they'd say, right, Dad, we send that on to you on Messenger or whatever they are on WhatsApp, and then i go open that and show it to go into the match. Now, I'd have to give them my phone, and they have to go through all this on the phone, mm. to, uh, so it has to be on my phone. Too.
1: Yeah, and then you have a privacy issue as well, Peter, do you not? You know, I mean, who wants to be handing over the phone to anybody? I suppose?
2: No, it, 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 it's Actually, it is crazy stuff. And mm. at the end of the day, all we're talking about here, for most matches that the ordinary people are interested in going to is a fiver or a tenner. So I just don't understand why they're not uh, leaving people pay that money with real money, you know, if they want to. If you want to go to, um, with mm. the technology and with the phones and with all of this, that's perfect yeah. too, like, you know.
1: Yeah, it's I interesting I you, you, you say about, you know, phones being vulnerable in some way. It, it, I'm always terrified of using the phone for, like, airline tickets and, and this stuff because if you lose it or, as you say, if it dies or, you know. yeah.
2: yeah. You have no idea, uh, you have no idea that the, the phone, everything, if you're going on a trip now, mm. and I'm uh, looking up myself, I am going on one later on today. Good. But everything is inside in my phone. Yeah. And I'm not one bit happy about it. <laughs> I prefer to have, a, have, I know. have my passport in one pocket, my ticket in the other one, my bit of cash probably in another one. But everything is inside in the phone. And if something happens, is, if it fell out of my hand, dropped into a drop of water or anything, that's everything done
1: from the End of story. All right, Peter, well, we wish you well and safe, safe travels to you. And thanks for coming no on place. with us this morning, Peter. No matter, Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye, Janelle. Bye that's uh, Peter speaking to us about that uh, warning, I suppose, from the GAA, that screenshots of match tickets will no longer be accepted. Uh, how do you feel about that? 1800 uh, Fran, isn't it typical in this country RTE and the government taking Irish people to court for a €160 euro, uh, for not paying the licence so that that crowd can live a good life on our money? We have to watch repeats every night. Check out programmes for tonight. See for yourself. It's just not good enough, says uh, Teresa. Um, Okay, lots more coming in, uh, but uh, give me just a a moment to read through it and I will bring it to you in just uh, a little while. Now, broadcaster and businessman Ivan Yates has doubled down over the weekend again on comments he made about the Irish language that have caused uproar indeed, particularly online. Um, He was a guest on the 6 o'clock show on Virgin Media, as you might remember, and he was asked if he speaks Irish uh, when the show 's host Brian Dowling and uh, Fula Jay, interviewed native speaker uh, Sheila Sioiga. let me just bring you a reminder of what he said.
5: begum <laughs> i couldn 't be asked to learn Irish. and i 'm sorry about it if you 're offended and all this money we
6: put, all this money we put into it. And there's only 16,000 people in the country speak it naturally. I'm not against
0: it. I know. Every 40 seconds a native language dies. So what? I mean, isn't that such a sad thought? No, absolutely not. I don't accept it.
1: Now, I thought this story was kind of done last week, but uh, it sort of uh, regenerated itself again over the weekend, particularly with uh, online uh, debates. But uh, Morris joins me now. Morris, good morning to you. Hey, Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today, Morris. What what do you make of this uh, row that has erupted?
7: Well, no, I'll be honest with you. I just, see, I often respond to you there anyway, Fran, because uh, it's my little way of vinting. But uh, that was just one example, I think, of, of what's happened in this country in, in regards to the way we, uh, we're viewing our culture. Uh, we seem to be more, wanting to be more uh, Europeans now than Irish. Um uh, as I say, when I responded to that, was, mm. I think my text was, uh, what we should do is just bring in, house all the Muslims and start learning their language instead. We'd be better off. That's where it seems this government wants to wants us to go. No, so, I saw
1: I saw the emojis you have uh, after that. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I I think tongue might be firmly in cheek there, shall we say, Morris?
7: Maybe if you know me, maybe not. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, Brian. I will tell you yes. that this country, what I what I'm on about here this morning, what I want to talk about this morning is the referendums that are, are coming forward on March the 8th. Mm. Um, have you been contacted by any of the local TDs there in regards to what we're actually expected to vote about? for?
1: Well, what we haven't it? been uh, speaking to local TDs yet about it, but, I mean, that's all going to happen over the coming uh, few weeks as we approach the uh, referendum. But we've done some items. We spoke to the Green Party about it, and we spoke to certain other advocates, and we're going to do so later yeah. on uh, today. But, to long what, long what is long your long concern, Morris?
7: Well, my concern is what are we we being asked to change in the Constitution and why are we being asked to change what's currently in the Constitution? From what I can gather, from what I can gather, um, there's a lot of very, uh, we'll say, first of all, we'll say Michael McDowell now, and he's a very decent guy. You would Mm. have known him. you know. Former uh,
1: Attorney General, of course. Former
7: Attorney Mm -hmm. General, a very intelligent fella. Mm. Catherine Connolly, she's our last Count Carla she's voting no, Michael McDougall is, is advocating for a no vote. And the reason they're they're advocating for a vote uh, a no vote, we'll, we'll start with the carers one first, okay? Mm-hmm. Basically what's going to happen there is the government don't want to have, to be obliged to have to pay for family carers uh, and the children that they're caring for or the adults that they're caring for. They don't want to have that legal obligation. What they want is in the Constitution to write it out and to put the onus on the family members to mind the. To mind them themselves, mind the children, or the, or, or, the, or the, or the, 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 the adults themselves. Right. now, you know that okay. they
1: would severely disagree with you on that, and they're saying
7: no, they, they can't because Rodrigo, oh, Rodrigo who's the minister for children, they're in the, in the Dáil. Anything I'm I'm to say to you this morning, I've my homework done, friend, because I, knew, I know, I the kind of a question, questions you were going to ask me.
1: Hmm. Well, well <laughs> we, weren't as be, we, we weren't supposed <laughs> to, be, we weren't supposed to be, we weren't supposed to be talking about this this morning. But anyway, it's it's an open platform, so so. so yeah. Yeah, do, well, do exactly. yeah, well exactly. But what it is is
7: um he he said to put an undue burden on the state It is to to, to be able to, to to have to finance or take care of, of um disabled children or disabled adults. Mm. That's that and that's why the need is change made. This country is the worst country. Well, no, no. What, what
1: they're saying, no, no. Just for just for clarity. Well, what they're saying, it's certainly my understanding of it is that uh, the 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 change that they're talking about around duties of women in the home, with language providing that the state will strive to support care within families.
7: No, that's not. If you if he was no, no, questioned no, no, that, in is, the
1: that is true. That 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 is.
7: Well, he was is. questioned in the door, and he said it would be uh, an, un, an undue um, burden on the state. To have to do to, to to be able to support the children and the adults and the carers, they, in this state, in this state, we are probably one of the worst countries in Europe, France. Mm.
8: for taking care of
9: children
1: or adults with special needs. One of the big selling points for the government where this is concerned is that carers are now going to be recognised properly. And we'll be speaking to Richie Malloy a little air, later on in the programme. And my understanding is that family carers in Ireland, for instance, Morris, are advocating a yes vote where this is concerned. So that's kind of interesting. What,
7: well, we'll see what way it goes, what way it pans out, friend. because this is one of the worst countries in Europe to take care of disabled people? And I'd say Richard would should be able to to answer that Mm. question. Mm. The waiting waiting list for children that need the most basic start of um, physiotherapy or or treatment Mm. is unreal. But that doesn't surprise me because we'll say we have, in in the mental health uh, side of, of, uh, uh, you know, for children that Mm. are suffering from mental health, there's 18,000 young adults
1: waiting for more than 12 months. It's appalling, I agree with yeah. you. Waiting for
7: more than 12 months, Fran, yeah. for an appointment. Okay? Um... So, Lucas, you couldn't, and, and, and as I coming back to what Roderick O'Gorman did say, he would say it's an undue burden on the state to be expected to take care of, of all the children or all the adults that need special uh, yeah. special care. But, but again, that Morris, was dated,
3: my, my that understanding, was the
1: yes, and, and, and uh, sorry for cutting your question, but my understanding is, and don't shoot the messenger on this now, but if there's a yes vote, the government are saying, but now you'll be able to challenge any of these decisions by the government with this new insertion into the constitution does that not make any? I'm sense
7: not so to you? sure about that. I mean, look at we'll, put, we'll make a very simple point to you here. Hmm. Simon Harris, he was Minister for Health in 2017, and he promised that no child would be waiting longer than four months yeah. for scoliosis surgery in yeah. Ireland in yeah. 2017. Right. Yeah. So at the end of December last year. There was over 200, nearly 200, and, there was 231 children waiting for scoliosis. So are you going to take what uh, what, what the government are saying uh, as real? Harvey Cherit, he's a, he's, a, he's a young little creator above and above. He's eight years old, Brad, right? He has an 83 degree curvature of his spine. He was initially diagnosed when he was one year old. And he, this has resulted in his rib cage crushing on his lungs and pushing on his heart. His father came out there a few months ago and said this, this is, his son is going to die. Mm. Yeah. And and so you're telling me you can you can take uh, what the government say as real. Well, well, I mean,
1: all all I'm doing is <laughs> I'm repeating I know what they're I what know they're I saying know. to us, and I'm providing balance to the to Were the pain, Were you ever in
7: pain, Were you ever in pain with uh, back or, or or any sort I of? I was um, indeed.
1: I was indeed. Currently, you know I am as like? I sit here. Actually, yeah. Are you? Mm-hmm.
7: Can you imagine a little crater that is in constant pain? No. Constant pain.
1: It's dreadful and it shouldn't be the case particularly if something can be done.
7: Well there you go and Mm. there is Leo and Michal the way they can come out Mm. and the way they can talk about moral obligations and moral duty to house as many immigrants as Mm. come into this country and these are, are coming into the country Fran they're able to Strong, able as I don't see any of them in wheelchairs or anything like that. So we have an obligation and a moral duty to house and rehome and give a good life to the immigrants that are coming into this country that have no physical ailments. But our own children, our own adults that have that 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 are disabled, the government wants to wash their hands of them.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you read this morning, but the uh, Free Legal Advice Centre's FLAC, they're playing into what you're saying. They're saying the care amendment is unlikely to provide carers and people with disabilities or older people with new enforceable rights or improved services. They're putting the onus on the family carer.
7: They're putting the onus on the family carer it's their responsibility in other words, whatever wordings, either very sneaky and even in the wording on the other thing with the, with the woman in the home. Mm-hmm. Like Catherine Connolly, she is, she's, she's a self-proclaimed feminist herself. And she questions this um, referendum on the woman in the home language. She said she'd rather take her chances with the old, um, with, with, with the way it was. Rather than, rather than, than rather the, word than the new,
1: new wording. Well, a lot of people with do that, rather feel that fe- a lot of people feel that it is rushed and it, w- it will end up before the courts too. Well, I'll to tell
7: you what Michael McDool came out and said. <clears> so <throat> we'll yes. say uh, your ordinary lad from from Nigeria that can have multiple wives, right? Mm. If he's in this country for the last 10 years sitting on his arse doing nothing, which he probably is, excuse my French, he will be entitled to, with the new referendum, with the new um, wording on the family, Mm. He'll be entitled to bring his multiple or at least he'll be entitled to go to court and see well, I was that just means, about to means,
1: add that it would have to be challenged in in, in yes. the court for that but well,
7: what about yeah. uh, they've gone to court last year already uh, and mm. anyone that's an asylum seeker here can can work after six months so mm. basically what michael McDonough is just there's, there's an industry there as well Fran, mm. with, uh, with 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 uh, solicitors and the lawyers and stuff uh, allowing um Allowing or going to court for all these these refugees and stuff like that. There's a pure industry there. Do you know,
1: Morris? Can I put something to you? And I don't mean to offend you with this. And I hope you, you know. Me I as hope as you I know that. Said, that. But I, I'm I'm reading between the lines of what you're saying to me. And huh. some people listening to us might be screaming at the radio. Morris is a racist.
7: Morris, can, de, de, well, see that's the thing, friend. Because there when, was when your question when you question hmm. what's happening in our country. When no but I'm just going by some know. of your
1: language where you speak about you know asylum sitting on their arse and stuff like that just
7: Well sure that's what they're doing Fran, and they're getting paid I mean the, the, well I some they, they you... can
1: they can't work you see they can't work in some cases uh, like without uh, proper acknowledgement of I, um, Yeah
7: know. yeah yeah I can can I give you some figures friend that are from Europe mm. right this was recorded in the Finnish uh, in the Shannon rather, in in Ireland mm. so it's Sharon her Sharon right? mm right We're not allowed to record crime here by by ethnicity because we don't want to offend liberal people. Okay, that's the way it is in this country, right? Mm. But in Holland, they did. And in the last 10 years, Mm. they have recorded it. 14% of the population that commit 40% of the crime are from either Africa or the Middle East.
1: Right, but we, we don't have figures here on that.
7: We don't because we don't want to offend liberal thinking, okay? No, but, but I mean, maybe and, it's not and, the and case. And I mean, uh,
1: maybe it's not the case. I mean, we don't well, have I'll the data tell you on what the it. Case is for, I'll tell you what the case is, mm.
7: Fran, right? Yes. Now, I don't want to get into all the figures, but we have the highest amount of Algerians coming into this country that are... That are we have the highest amount in the world mm. of, of Algerians coming into this country than any other country, right?
1: Mm. And what, what, Germany, what point are you Spain, making about around well, that?
7: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make my point. In Germany and Spain, Algerians present, commit 10 times more than the native people in each of those countries, mm. and 17 times more, and this is serious crime, Fran, mm. this is serious crime, and so it was an Algerian man, by the way, that's committed that crime above in Dublin, that young girl. Right, the, but,
1: but, and, go, but go on and make, um, make your point, Boris.
7: And yeah. 17 times more serious crime mm. in Italy. Okay, mm. and we have more Algerians coming into this country than right. any other country in the world.
1: Right. But now it, that is. Well, again, we do right. we, okay, but again, we don't have data to 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 back that up. Morris, I must go, but it was great to talk to you today, and thanks very much indeed. Well, just for once before you go, I, friend, I, yeah. I really have to run, but go on, Morris. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Can, can I was just hoping that we could get maybe someone to come on uh, on the radio and go through what is actually um coming in the in the referendum. All right, no and problem. Pe- and explain to the people. Okay. And also hopefully we'll get a good independent to run for us in North Tipperary that's not aligned to any party right. and and won't be
3: muzzled
1: by All their party. All right, Morris, Good to talk to you today. thank you. Thank you for talking to us. That's uh Morris there. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we're gonna go live to Tipperary
9: Town.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Ali's out and about for us uh, today checking out the style in Tipperary Town as Eva Burns, a fifth-year student in St Anne's Secondary School, prepares to head off to Monaco uh, tomorrow. Ali join, who joins me now from St Anne's. Good morning to you, Ali.
8: Yeah, good morning, Fran. I'm here at St Anne's Secondary School in Tiptown this morning. Great excitement because we're preparing to send off Ava Burns, a fifth-year student here at the school, uh, to compete in the World Finals, the World Finals. Now, this is a huge deal of the junketure. And Ava's here with me, a few of her classmates and a few of her teachers as well. Ava, first of all, are you ready to head off?
10: Yeah, I have my bags packed. I'm ready to go. How
8: exciting. How exciting is it? I mean, this is a world competition this is huge
10: yeah i've been thinking about it all week over the midterm so yeah I'm ready to head off
8: and tell me about your costume because i know um a lot of it's not a costume i shouldn't say that tell me about uh what you've designed because it, it's hugely colorful i'm sure many people have seen it because it's been online in the last few days it's been in papers as well it's been hugely publicized but for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it describe it for us
10: so my design is called drowning duchess and it's made out of uh foam pool noodles and inflatable rubber rings Where did you get the idea for it? Um, I had some of the pool noodles at home and the rings so I started like playing around with them, seeing what I could do with them and then I came to the idea because I hadn't seen anyone use them before so I chose them as my main piece. And did you
8: have an idea in your head of how you wanted it to look or was it something that kind of evolved?
10: I first had the idea of what material I wanted to use and then I went with the Victorian style dress So tell me, I'll
8: come back to you in a second because uh, teacher Helen Ryan is here as well. Helen, tell me about
11: Junkature and the idea behind it. Junkature is a national competition and it's where the students create their own design and creation out of materials that are recyclable. Mm. And it's a great way for students to use their imagination and their mind because they have to find an item, first of all, and then try and manipulate it and work with it yeah and they just love it here we've been involved for the last 15 years and we've had great success we have always got through to the regional finals in Limerick and then on to the finals in Dublin so but the world final is beyond my expectations so we're just delighted particularly we're a small school yeah and we've been competing with big schools that put a lot of working out Work to put it, get in, get into yeah. the competition. So it's hugely, hugely competitive. So it's just a dream to be in the world final. We're so proud of Ava here.
8: Oh, and Ava tell me then, is what? What other countries will you be competing against then over there?
10: Um, there will be five others. So there's England, Paris, Milan, Abu Dhabi, New York, and uh, then Ireland. Have you seen their designs? Yeah, I've seen their designs. Well, yeah. What do you make of them? They're tough competition, yeah. Think? Yeah. I, th- I think you're quietly confident though, are you? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't even expect to get through to the world finals. What Amazing. was it like when you heard that then, that you were going through to the world? A big shock because yeah. there was kind of calling out by region and there had been like two other people from my region, so I didn't expect it.
8: My goodness. So are there any changes
10: that you have to make or can make to the design before it goes there or is it as is? It's the same. I just had to make a few repairs from the final where it broke in pieces, but just like little tears or something. But I don't have to change the design. And will you be wearing it yourself? Yeah, I yeah. Will. What's it like? Because I know there's
8: a headpiece with it then as well. I was asking you about that. Is that difficult to wear? Is it heavy or is it comfortable?
10: No. So it has. Um, I put a, ca- a baseball cap as the base of it, so it's pretty easy to wear because the foam is light as well. Yeah. So it's fine. It's brilliant. I mean,
8: you must be so proud. I mean, You said you've been involved in this competition for a number of years now. Are you always, like, really taken aback by the level of creativity from the students here?
11: Yeah, we have super students here in St. Anne's. They stay on after school, they work through lunch, they work through holidays. And sometimes it uh, comes across crazy here in the art room, but it's all fun and work and, and enjoying it. Everyone helps each other. Yeah. And then the level of support from the principal and deputy principal and all the other teachers that get behind us is really great and all the students, and they just love it. It's, it's all about enjoying it as well. Yeah, It's hard work and it's persistence, but um, we thoroughly enjoy it here. And I love seeing the creativity and what students get out yeah. of it.
8: I'm sure Ava's com- success too would be very inspiring to other students Yeah,
11: they are, they're so proud of her and they're all amazed and they come in looking at her work and all yeah. the primary schools um, that are just love hearing about it and we visit them during the school and a big thanks to all the primary schools and everyone in tip Town for supporting us and they just love seeing it and hearing about it and all the young kids in the primary schools are so excited and asking about it and all the questions, weren't yeah. they, that during the week? So it's just exciting. And it's great for the town and principal, uh, John Cullinan is here with me as well. John, the the local
8: support for Ava and the competition as well has been huge, hasn't it?
12: Oh, it's been fantastic. As I said, we've even had Whelan's downtown who've been actually showcasing a a six by four foot uh, cardboard design of the the dress. We couldn't put the actual dress in, but it's the next best thing. So it's been brilliant and I suppose it's great for the town as well as for the school and for Ava. Um, Obviously, we're immensely proud of Ava, uh, but I think you've you've nailed it there when you said how inspiring it is for other students. One of our second-year students has qualified for the regional final this year. Brilliant. She's heading up to the Helix in Dublin in March. So again it's I suppose it's been a bit of a culture here over the last fifteen years or so that we've we've always as students get to regional finals and we've been knocking on the door of maybe getting to a world final, but Ava has finally managed to, yeah. to get the key to that door, so it's brilliant.
8: And it's great for the school as well, because I think art maybe and Helen, you might attest to this, it's something that maybe it's treated as maybe extracurricular sometimes as opposed to one of the main subjects. So it's lovely to see the the shining lights in art um getting the recognition they deserve
12: absolutely um i suppose as as a principal of school you want to have a curriculum that's as broad as possible and we have lots of opportunities for students here to follow their passions and obviously for students who art or are being creative in that particular space is their passion john couture is is a fantastic competition i suppose Ava has has shown that helen hit the nail on the head it's huge work yeah uh, involvement the amount of evenings that i might come in here at, at half four or five o'clock in the evening and helen is here with Ava and working on some aspect of the design, it's uh, it's it's phenomenal work, but obviously she's getting the, the fruits of that labour now as well.
8: Do we know, are we able to watch it online? Will the school be following it?
12: We understand there is going to be a live stream of it um, through the junk at your website, so obviously we will follow that. Uh, yeah. Originally this was meant to be in London back in October and it actually got postponed um, and got moved to Monaco. Oh, so. damn it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So I know Ava and, and Helen have a busy day of travelling tomorrow. Um, they have a full day of travelling to get to Monaco, but as soon as once they're there, I'm sure they'll, they'll have the, the experience of a lifetime. Yeah.
10: Eva, talk me through then tomorrow, then. How will you start? So we have to get the early train to Dublin, then head to the airport and get a flight. So we don't have a direct flight. We have a flight to Zurich, Zurich to Nice, and then take whatever transport they have there for us, waiting to Monaco to the hotel.
8: It's a shame it's not
10: in London, isn't it? <laughs> that old, scabby,
8: old Monaco. <laughs> Monaco is amazing. You will absolutely love it. Yeah. Is um, fashion design something then you you kind of want to get into in the future? Is that something you're looking at?
10: Yeah, I've been looking at it recently, obviously, since getting through into the competition. But I'm honestly not set on anything yet, yeah. so we'll have to see. And how are you feeling going into it? Are you, You're such a
8: cool character. Have you any nerves at all going into it?
10: I'm not as nervous as the final because I've been up on the stage already. So the back is
8: broken on that, so you know what to expect. More excited than nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be like a runway then? Is that how it's going to work?
10: Yeah. So on the Wednesday, we'll have dress rehearsals and see how the stage is laid out. And then on Thursday, it will be the actual thing.
8: Wow. That's amazing. And Helen, how are you feeling about it then? You're heading over with her as well.
11: Hmm. Excited, but I just really want Ava to enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's a once-time life opportunity for her and I just want her to have good memories of it all Yeah, and just to go out and enjoy it
8: Absolutely, that's the main thing mm. I'm going to grab the girls now as well because some of the her classmates are here with us Don't shy away girls, I won't buy What's your own name? Quiva. Quiva. and what's your name? Even. Quiva. Caitlin Tell me, how are you feeling about seeing Ava off today and, and competing at a world competition? Are you excited for her?
13: So proud of her Aww <laughs> I think that even like when she went off I don't know we never really have gotten someone into a world final, so getting to see Ava win, like some of us didn't go to the competition, we were so excited. Everyone was screaming at their TVs. Yeah. yeah.
8: What do you make then of the design? Oh, it's so it's I could you never like sure. think of it myself. Like.
10: And yeah. All the work as well. Like we yeah. we were in two Y, so we were all kind of trying to make little plans ourselves. Could not think of anything. Like I can't believe she even thought of something. Then went on and
13: like produced that dress. Like oh my gosh. Yeah, and we've seen the work that Eva's put in. Like. Going out of classes, staying late in school over weekends, over holidays, putting in so much work to make this dress, and like, I she just she deserves to get to go to Monaco.
10: Oh, Eva! How does that make you feel? Happy. (laughs) Oh, that the support. Yeah,
3: yeah.
8: Oh, we're so delighted for you. Um, tell me then as well. We were saying we'll actually put the link. We'll check it out where the live stream is, and we'll put it up on the Tip FM website as well later. Um, after this, then when you you're due to come home Friday, isn't it?
10: Yeah back Friday.
8: So Monday then you'll be coming in here with a world championship then that'll be pretty amazing won't it? (laughs) I have full confidence in you.
10: Thank you. We'll see. There's tough competition so.
8: None like you. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, Helen, then, as well, for anyone who might be listening to this going, God, I think my child would be amazing at art, and and maybe they're a bit shy in terms of getting involved in it, what would you say? Because, like we were saying, would you agree with that, actually, that maybe art is treated as an extracurricular subject as opposed to a core subject,
11: even though I know it's not one of the cores, but... Maybe, but definitely not in this school. It's uh, full on with big numbers that love to keep on art, and... We just want... Well, for me, I just want the art room to be a happy place yeah. for students to come in and express themselves and learn. And as long as everyone's helping each other and enjoying it, and that's the ethos that I have in the room and that we always have kept here. Mm. Um, it's a popular subject. For my fifth-year art class, there's 25 students have kept it on, and uh, they love it here, and that's what I want. Yeah. But for any student or child that's interested in art, what I see... It gives them great confidence. You know yourself when you put something on paper and you put it up and someone admires it. It fills you with confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's just great, creativity. It's great for the mind and for later in life when you're doing jobs or in a company or working in a business, to be able to think creatively Mm. is great and new ideas and innovation. I Mm. always thought art was something you either had or you didn't. Is it something you can learn? People have it naturally. You'll always get the people that will just flow out of them and then you can teach it. I'm a firm believer. Yeah. Because I used to teach adults at night here painting and um, people from all different walks of life and they come and they just sit and... yeah, It's so therapeutic. Yeah, and they're so amazed then what they can produce with a little bit of encouragement. It's all encouragement and persistence and John we would like to
8: i suppose promote that a lot more i mean we know um with with younger people as well and and the struggles with mental health that a lot of them have this can be a subject that can really be a form of therapy for a lot of them.
12: It is absolutely, uh, often if you come in here you'll often hear there's music playing, there's students working on it. It's around.
8: very relaxed here, it's lovely. It's fabulous, It's yeah. beautiful light
12: in the room as well but you even see some of the different types of work that are around the room here so students even though art is one subject there's lots of different opportunities within that subject. Uh, felting for example is something we introduced here uh, within the last 12 months and a lot of our students really enjoy doing that as well so when you come in here and the class is full you have 20-24 students all working on different things so they can yeah. follow their own interests and, and hobbies which is which is brilliant and um, and, and their own passions tend to come mm. true in their work as well, which is fantastic.
8: Oh great, and um, wish you all the best with it. Ava, is it tr- um, a problem then to pack the design itself to, to bring it away with you?
10: Yeah, so it took me a while to figure mm. out, but once they told us we have 20kg bags, so over the weekend I was figuring out ways to slot it in, so I've just wrapped it in bubble wrap to keep it as secure Plenty as Plenty of bubble wrap. Yeah.
8: Are you nervous about bringing it, or you're, you're confident enough it's
10: packed well? Yeah, it's just the connecting flight. But yeah, just hope it gets the other side with us.
8: Yeah, be fun. Well, listen, we wish you all the best with it, and we'll be watching it online. And hopefully, we'll be up here again next week to congratulate you. That is the Junkature World Finalist from here, St. Anne's Secondary School. That's Ava Burns. We'll be keeping our eye on you, Ava, not just this week, but also in the future. I know you're going to do great things. And thanks to all the girls here as well. Back to you, Fran, in
14: studio.
1: Thanks very much indeed Ali and many congratulations there to uh, Eva we wish her the very, very best. We'll take a break back with more in just a moment.
14: Tip FM's
0: Tip Today
14: with Fran Curry
0: in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
14: if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on one eight hundred nine three eight double o seven. I mentioned uh, to
1: you earlier on that uh, the row caused by Ivan Yates is continuing; uh, has continued indeed over the weekend. He has doubled down on the comments that he made about the Irish language uh, that have caused uproar among the Gaeltacht. Uh, on a line, now uh, great friend of the show, John G. Oduar is fond of the Kupla Fuckle, and he joins me now. Good morning to you, John G. Yeah, how are you, friend? I'm uh, very, uh, very well. I'm very well. gohana her fad indeed. And um, what what do you make of this uh, outburst? Now, in fairness to him, he says, "Look, I was on to talk about podcasting and and politics, and I was drawn into this thing." Uh, what do you make of what he said, John G?
15: Well, I mean, the first thing I make is that I. I know him kind of. He's interviewed me a few times. I like him as a character, right? Yeah. But he's a brilliant self-publicist. And, of course, (laughs) at the moment, uh, he and uh, Matt Cooper are promoting a podcast. Now, you know, coming up to the election, how deadly competitive it is out there with regard to podcasts and that. And, of course, we're playing into his hand. What are we doing? We're We're talking talking about about IVAs. We're talking about Matt Cooper. And we are mentioning the podcast. So, (laughs) Hurrah!
1: you old cynic, you, John You're yeah, all cynic. I'm, I'm, I'm
15: a little, I'm, uh, yeah, I <laughs> would be. <laughs> you get, I, I, I think you covered it up, but I think Dave Towne does a cynicism in you as
1: well. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. But he does make an interesting point, and he's talking about the need to have an adult conversation about the resources allocated to the Irish language. And I suppose what he means there is to measure cause and effect. I mean, if you invest in anything you expect a reasonable outcome, John G. Do we get value for money where the Irish language is concerned?
15: I don't know. I have gotten... I don't, I've don't. never been really... In, I, you know, I've learned Irish myself. I've never really been in touch with any of the organisations that are involved. So I would tend to agree with him. We should be. I'm not sure, you know, that's the amount of money that's been spent is particularly good value for money. Um, I have been speaking the language, haven't really come across any of these organisations or whatever. And I think what happens is all these things when they're there, um, kind of a national industry tends to go up, up around them. And I think we should certainly look into that. And, you know, I think we have a ridiculous situation which makes the language... Um, You know, where in the Leaving Cert now, there's a whole industry with psychologists and everything else saying, Mm. oh, well, yeah, you know, my Johnny has some kind of uh, special needs and he cannot uh, learn Irish. But, uh, oh, yeah, of course he can learn French and German and that kind of thing. So, you know, um, I think we I think he's dead right.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. And your own love of Irish, John G., did you love it throughout school or was it something that you sort of embraced later on?
15: Like most people, it came later on. I didn't love it in school at all. It came later on, and then I went to the whale talk, and I find that that you, vet, you a lot of you know young people are dismissive of it, mm-hmm. but there are very very few people around the middle aged who would not like to be able to speak. That's yes. not me. it's of the language they're going to go out and do it, but they all like. To uh, you know, hearing it spoken, and there's a Catholic Cora down in the Bookworm in Torres every Tuesday. If you want to improve your Irish, you can come in there at eleven o'clock. What people say to me, they come in and they say it's lovely to hear the language being uh, being spoken. So, I mean, there's a lot of goodwill uh, towards the language, certainly uh, But no, I came later in life. So,
1: and would you have liked the Goyle Skull opportunity, for example, John G. And how effective do you think that is?
15: Well. it's Except you wasn't there when I was there. It, does. It, it is effective in a sense. But again, the problem is the culture in society that the second the people come outside the, the school gate, the kids, bang, they go back to English. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't a support systems out there in the community. In other words, If they were able to go into the shop and it was a spoken language, like it is in some parts of Wales, then I think it would follow on naturally. But otherwise now at the moment, because it's not spoken in society, it seems kind of uh, forced, maybe a bit pretentious to start spoofing away in Irish and talking in Irish. So people tend not to do it. So you need to get to a tipping point, whether are some people prepared speaking. But I don't believe anybody though is any less of an Irish person because they, you know, they don't have the couple of focal than maybe people like myself who have.
1: It's interesting, and uh, you know, since you did embrace it a little later on in in life, John G, um, give me your opinion on how it was taught to people of our generation, because I I have grave issues. Uh, with that, we spent up to 14 years learning it, and most of us can't carry on a a conversation, Othgálga.
15: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the part... It was taught really badly, with a huge emphasis on grammar and understanding that as well, and a quite complex grammar, you know, and you were all talking about the Mokinílok and the Tisha and all this kind of thing, and I think that all seems to put people people off. Now, I think you can only... We, a language will only be successful if people want to speak it. And my sense would be that we should now think of getting rid of compulsory Irish, which is becoming something of a fast and leaving serf, have compulsory Irish up to junior serfs, and after that, people make a decision on whether they love it enough to go on with it or not. But the point about it is is that all languages are now going to come under pressure. Mod languages are going down now. People are applying for them in college, mm. quite simply because if you're doing business with someone in Japan, AI means that they can translate your word. The person in Japan can see you speaking it perfect Japanese, and you can hear the person in Japan. Cancellation into English. So, even the demand for those. So, you will, there's only a reason to do, to study Irish now or almost any language because you like it, you love it, and it's part of your identity. And of course, it, I find Irish a hugely descriptive language in the way English is more of a commercial language.
1: And, and that's what I would love to have. Uh, is, is access to that wonderful poetry and literature that sadly I, I don't have because essentially Irish was taught in the same way as they taught the classical languages of Latin and Greek, uh, you know, through through grammar.
15: Through grammar and through that and then through things that, you know, were the representation we taught of Irishness. So I don't know if you did, but, you know, I struggled with pegs, Yeah, if you could yeah. remember, you know. Oh, and like that, I know, yeah. you know, straight out, let's put it straight out, had that book not been written in 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 uh, in Irish, it would not have been on the curriculum. And, you know, it did so much to put people off. So I think, you know, uh, almost in, at an extreme level, I think with the Irish people for things to work, the way almost to make Irish well-spoken across the country is almost to banish. <laughs> but my idea would be, what I think yeah. anyway, we, we resist that, but what I think is what we should do is gradually start evolving to a more Hiberno english where we put in words. You may have noticed this already. I say things like very few things that don't put pressure on people that everybody understands. I, I say Sloan, I say... Yeah. You know, things like that in Irish, and they don't put pressure on people, so that even though you come to Ireland when visitors come here, they see these, these Irish words integrated into the English, and they say, yes, yes, this is a different country. There is an Irish language here. But well, in the long run, we have to remain English-speaking, because primarily English-speaking, because at this stage we are the fifties. I think Europe is in recession; we're not. Why? Basically, because we're the fifty-first state of the USA, and they come in here because we're the only English-speaking country in Ireland that has full access to the to the EU. So, you know, it's a labor of love if you want to. I'd, I'd love to see people doing. It. But the way to do it is if they want to do it and if Ivan Yates doesn't want to do it, well, fair to use to him.
1: All right, well, Geramil Mahagat, John G. Geramil Mahagat, I was like
15: me a kind lad And just one other thing. Yes. I'm doing a lecture on the 12th in Cabra Wetlands for, uh, Cabra, uh, for, Pilgr- for a, I'm getting mixed up at all, my Chocs uh, and a say, And anyone come along to that and what it will be is It'll be a slideshow and I'll be speaking. But I'll, there will be Irish in it, but it'll be what I call a mass coin. And I hope people will come along and see the Irish language. And I hope I, my uh, objective is everybody will understand everything that was well said. Done. It'll be stories from
1: the uplands that I've well, well done, John G. Sloan. And uh, thanks very much indeed. News and information is coming up. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 Now, the Director-General of RTE and the Chair of its Board have been summoned to meet the Media Minister this morning. Catherine Martin's request to Kevin Backhurst and Shunny Rahlig comes after a weekend of political pressure for full disclosure on the exit. Packages paid to a number of RTE executives, uh, Kevin Backhurst, as you're probably aware at this point, revealed over the weekend uh, that Rory Coveney accepted a payment when he stood down as Director of Strategy. He didn't say how much, but it is understood that he received around €200,000 when he left the role. Now, Tipperary TD, Alan Kelly is on the Public Accounts Committee and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, friend. Now, thanks for your time uh, this morning. Uh, the the last time that uh, RT representatives came before Pack, and when it came to your turn to ask some questions, you were visibly furious. So I'm just wondering how you feel about what's been revealed over the weekend.
5: I was visibly confused as well, friend, if I remember rightly, because it uh, it got to the stage where it just you know there was a the lack of credibility. Um, Certainly there's information missing and, you know, there was complete, it was completely contradictory at times. Now, look, I mean, I think the public listening uh, to this whole conversation are sick and tired of RT's situation. They're sick and tired of what's going on. I know that the minister summoned the chair and the chief executive in to meet her this morning. I think she basically has to lay it on the line and say, listen, it's time to fess up. Um, we need everything out in the open. It's as simple as that um, and this trick feed is only causing more problems and um, we thought we'd seen the end of it I'd like to see a situation where we can move on from this and move on to the future funding of all public service broadcasting including yourselves uh, Fran and Tip FM we do a great service and local papers and all of that and you know TG Catter and uh, you know other public mm. broadcasting components as, lo- as well as RTE which because I think it's important that we fund all of them um we need it now more than ever, given the disinformation of social media. Um, but we can't move on because there's a constant drip, 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 drip. And, like, I want to give Kevin Backhurst the benefit of the doubt. I've had my issues with him. But, uh, you know, fundamentally, like, if people were leaving RTE, why they were getting exit packages is beyond me.
1: Well, that, I mean, that's the thing I was going to ask you. Because, I mean, my understanding was that back in July... He resigned. He said his position was no longer tenable, if I remember his words at the time. So how did he end up with an exit package? Because my understanding of a resignation
5: is you walk. I agree. I mean, if you walk, you walk. You don't get an exit package. If uh, an organisation, a public your organisation is restructuring or there's things that have to be done or there's decisions made by government which mean an organisation changes fundamentally we're thinking about board pneumonia years ago yeah. or whatever you know i mean obviously in that scenario where it's nothing to do with the person you know obviously negotiations have to happen and there are packages agreed but this is a totally different situation it's basically where they're saying you know he's leaving and if he's leaving he's leaving and that's it why there is a package i don't know but that's really up for Mr Backhurst now to explain all of these and how many of them has there been uh, I think we probably just need to go back and figure all this out but he needs, yes. look I mean I don't want a scenario whereby you know you're going from crisis to crisis to crisis you know uh, Kevin Backhurst has inherited a very difficult situation um I accept that I, I think he's done some, some good work I mean he he's met with the unions and the workers regularly uh, and I think they appreciate that. Um, he's kept people up to date as regards that. But there is an issue here now whereby the drip, 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 um, mm. you know, could cause him, could cause him and the chairwoman, uh, significant issues. If I think this week is going to be a huge week for him because he needs to basically, as I said, fess up. And if he doesn't fess up, you know, he could find himself in a very sticky situation. Yeah, and uh,
1: coming up with that notion of, you know, being bound by legal issues and stuff around, and then he, he sort of just blurted out... Um, uh, Breed O'Keefe's uh 450,000. Yeah, I found that
5: very strange. What? I found it very strange. I found what? it very, very strange. I've watched it multiple times. Uh, it was almost like I, I don't know, it was almost like he, um, I don't know, you, you'd, you'd swear he was prepared to say it, um, but needed to be asked the question in a certain way or. I don't know, I just found the choreography of it, the whole thing, very, very strange. And I'm not alone. A lot of people have said that to me in the last week. Alan Dillon is a very good contributor on both committees. He's a colleague of mine. I find him excellent Mm. and very well-researched in his work, I have to say. Um, But uh, it's just the way in which, you know, if he's going to blurt it out for one, why isn't he going to blurt it out for everyone else? He he was
1: saying that Richard Collins, that particular deal was bound by a confidentiality agreement with him, but I mean, would he? Not, he's a bright fella. Wasn't he aware that he would be questioned on this? So why would he build that into a deal? I'm just wondering.
5: That's that's a question he has to answer. now, Fran. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. And like the real issue here is, um you know, when you're negotiating things like that, you remember it's it's post a crisis here. So and the crisis isn't over, and there's a lot of public scrutiny on this. So you have to be very careful about everything you do. So. You know, he needs to answer all those questions as to why why he did uh, mm. such agreements. I think, you know, we need to get to the end of this in the next week or two. Um, I can't don't think he can go on much longer. Mm. Um, we have a report to do with the public accounts committee. Um, we've held back on it. I don't think we can hold back much longer because the report will, you know, formulate part of where the government will go, um, because we'll have to take into consideration the constitutional role of the public accounts mm. committee and its report. Uh, but on top of that the more broader thing is you know we need to get to where there's confidence and where there's a new model put forward for public sector broadcasting and that is a real issue the vacuum that's left here is dangerous um, because we need public sector broadcasting to be. Able, we've, yeah, for instance you have two referendums coming up mm-hmm. right. uh, just an example this isn't going to be sorted before then but my point being is that you have elections coming up then you have multiple elections um, uh, three different sets of elections probably this year and, you know, public sector broadcasting as part of that is endemic, and we all know about broader issues going on in the world in relation to disinformation, in relation to Trump, in relation to Russia, in relation to what's going on in Ukraine, um Gaza, all of this between what's true information and what's not, and when it comes to interference in elections and all of this sort of thing. So we really need to, you know, we really need to push forward and get this kind of model in place. And speaking,
1: does the Labour Party have a view on how RTE should be funded going forward? I mean, Sinn Féin, as you know, coming out and saying that uh, the license fee should be scrapped and there should be an amnesty for those who doesn't pay it, and that it should be paid out of the coffers. Um, how, what, what does Labour think about this?
5: Well, I have to say, I spoke on this um, in the Dáil um, last week. I found the Sinn Féin motion to be amateurish. Uh, and I'm not saying that in an over political way I just felt it was even the way in which it was written uh, was amateurish um, I, I can't have a scenario whereby you know everything is paid from general taxation because everything is paid from general taxation then the RTE funding and public sector and funding is competing with scoliosis and HSE funding and every other thing for um, across education mm-hmm. and all of that and transporting. But we're, bailing them, we're
1: bailing them out anyway though, aren't we? Yeah. Well
5: but the, the bottom the bottom line the bottom line here is this, is that I think if we're going to we have to fund it, um but I think it'll have to be a model that's based somewhere around some form of license. Yeah. I think the public understands that. I think the public have been paying for that and they understand that as well as exchequer funding with some commercial activity, which is under strict regulations.
1: As do, you, well. do you have but a fear think- about the Revenue Commissioners, though, getting involved in this in some way in terms of getting the, the licence fee money? Have you fears around that?
5: Well, I, I personally wouldn't have fears around that, but uh, I can understand that if they stay away from it and just have a, 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 some form of broadcasting fee which incorporates social media companies uh, etc. as well, and I have a levy on them. I think we have to get to a scenario because I would worry about one thing, Fran. I wouldn't like and it doesn't matter what politics is in government, I wouldn't like a scenario where a government can dictate how much funding goes to public service broadcasting. And if a government is very unpopular, then it comes before a budget and a vote at all where they have the majority and they decide, you know what, they're not doing us any favours, so we're going to cut the amount of money that goes to RT, TG Car, to yourself, to local newspapers, all that stuff. That would be a dangerous thing in a democracy. So I think that balance has to be there whereby obviously the public mm. pay for it, but it doesn't all come from central funding from a yeah. government. Even, and
1: even though, my, my understanding, and I presume you know more about this than I do, but my understanding is that in other jurisdictions, the licence fee idea... Is, is that happening in most places? I mean, that's yeah, there's,
5: a, there's, a, there's a mixture across the whole range. and But every country is struggling with this. Uh, every country is going through the issues in relation to public service broadcast and what's real, what's not real as regards disinformation, social media, social media companies, the influence. Everyone is changing their models, actually. If you look across, there are various models across the world and across Europe. They're all actually looking at how they're going to grapple with this issue. The same problems we have, not the same acute issues as regards the lead organisation, the lead state broadcaster. I admit that, but as regards the overall funding model, every country is actually looking at this at the moment, and it has to change because the way in which people take information changes fundamentally. I look at my own children who are thirteen and twelve, and the way in which they take information, mm, <laughs> compared yeah, to, sure, of course, I so. mean it's, I mean, I'm I consider myself a fairly young politician in my forties. But, like, I get educated in relation to TikTok and everything else that's going on around the place as regards how information, um, how information. Mm-hmm. My, my, my daughter is a sports fanatic, and she gets information on TikTok and other platforms. And, you know, sometimes I have to check it, if it's accurate, and sometimes it isn't accurate, and sometimes it is. But the point being is, you know, we need some format where there is good, consistent uh, public sector Uh, broadcasting which actually provides information in a balanced way Um, and that, you know, everybody can have a level of trust in. And it's not just run by some companies that are based out of anywhere in the world who have a large presence in any country uh, and you don't know whether information is accurate or not.
1: Well, it's the great difficulty of our time, isn't it? Um, Just before we move away from RT, can I just ask you, because a few listeners uh, brought it up, and in terms of compelling people to appear before, whether it's PAC or the Media Committee, and I see that uh, John McGuinness he believes that a referendum is needed to bolster the power of the committees um would you would you go along with that
5: i think um I think there's a legacy issue here Fran. um you know a number of years ago Brendan Howland brought forward you know a, 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 a proposal which went to a referendum in relation to uh, committees of investigation and all of that and it was defeated uh, principally by a group of uh, Attorney generals like Michael McDougal and others who came out against it, and I think the consequences of that we had the the uh, uh, current judgment, as you know, in, in the High Court Supreme yes. Court in relation to compelability and and uh, witnesses and all of that. And I think that the legacy is now what John is addressing. Uh, and I would listen to John, and again, is very very intensely. I, I I appreciate his work. I think he's done some uh, incredible work down through the years. Um, and I would listen to him intensely, both I think the current status quo as regards compatibility of witnesses, given the current judgment, is a space that is very weak, um, and I think we're seeing that now in relation to bringing witnesses in from RT. In the
1: referendums, I know that uh, Labour is advocating a yes, yes vote, but I'm sure you found it interesting to read about uh, what the free legal advice centres are saying, and they're rather concerned indeed, about aspects of the
5: referendum.
1: Does that does that concern you?
5: Well, uh, look, uh, in relation to two referendums, um, firstly is people should read up about it. You know, there's loads of information out there. There will be loads of information out there and make their own decisions. I'm not one of these people who's going to, you know, run my views down anyone's throat because I think it's very personal as regards these two issues in particular. Um, and um, I've been very, very involved with uh, Johnny Amara, as you know, friend, for a long time now in relation, and like, I was so, so delighted. Um, just to
1: remind listeners, uh, John, of course, father of three, last month he won that landmark Supreme Court uh, declaration uh, to say that he was entitled to a widower's pension. Um, yeah, just to remind people on that, Alan. Yeah,
5: yeah uh, um, and Michelle, his partner, uh, for a long time, had, had had lost her life even though they made a couple of attempts to, to, to get married yeah. and the three ki- children were not entitled to, he wasn't entitled to with his pension. Now, Johnny is, um, you know, I I mean, I was so happy that day. I'd been through it all with him about three years off the high court with him myself um, and I was about to come on your show actually for an after except my, my dad was, was sick at the time yeah, course, I yeah. wasn't able to. But the the, um, the the impact of that is huge. I mean, Johnny O'Mara from Tumi Vara, to your listeners, has literally changed Ireland. A man who went through such uh, a loss, the fact that he was brave enough with his family support to actually go all the way to the Supreme Court and win a unanimous judgment that he wasn't treated properly and that his family uh, was a family. Uh, That was an incredible achievement. And just to update you, Fran, um, I will be with Johnny uh, this week meeting with Heather Humphreys uh, the Minister for Social Protection uh, who wants to meet him to go through her thinking in relation to where she's going to implement the Supreme Court judgment so that'll show you the impact he's having because legislation will be brought forward I've had literally hundreds of people uh, on to me in relation to this issue people whose partners passed away uh, who never got any entitlement who will also uh in benefit from this in some capacity. Um, so, this is really, really important. And from a constitutional point of view, uh, in, in relation to the whole, when one of the constitutional amendments in relation to uh, the issue of family and and all of that, mm. you know, this has a significant signif- is it a significant example of where we need to go into the future. But
1: it was such an important declaration, Alan, that Michael McDowell was questioning the need to hold a referendum on the, uh, the family in light of of that particular judgment?
5: Well, I think um, from a a legal point of view, you're always going to have different opinions. The change here in relation to, and I know the phrase that people are debating all the time, durable relationships, obviously obviously that's going to end up in the court. Um, You know, when it comes to changing the Constitution, you have to be extremely careful. I accept that. You have to look around and make sure unintended consequences and all of that. But ultimately, you know, we have a situation in our country which is right, where you separation of powers and, you know, once a referendum, if it's passed, it uh, will have to be tested in the courts uh, and mm. that will happen. Do you, do you think it's happens? not
1: rushed a bit, though? Because I know I'm trying to get my head uh, around it and I, I am struggling with it, to be honest with you, Alan, you know?
5: Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, do you know, I don't think, you know, nobody, I think, thinks this is perfect, Um you know, we have our own views in relation to it. Uh, we put down our own amendments. I mean, everybody, you know, has to look at it, where they come from, from a, their philosophy in life, their belief system, and all of that, and, and take their own view on this. And I don't, you know, I, I appreciate anyone's view, whether it's for or against it. it for me, mm-hmm. that's their own opinion. That's why we live in a democracy. Yes. And, personally, and, and just... Personally, uh, personally,
1: uh, oh, personally, I'm sorry, I, I you believe, burden, yeah.
5: Personally, I believe uh, that both of these referendums were better off to pass them. I'm not a member of the government. I did not draft this. It would not be exactly what I would draft. However, on balance, I believe that mm. in both cases, um, we're better off. For in relation to the whole issue of women's place in the home, that was completely outdated. I think majority of people would agree with that. Um, it's about the replacement. Right. Uh, but they would
1: have a problem with taking the word woman out of the constitution, you
5: know. Well, some some you can argue that case. And in relation yeah. to the issue of families, Um, obviously given where I have come from in relation to all the work with uh, Johnny O'Mara, I mean, I fundamentally believe that it has to change.
1: And speaking of Johnny O'Mara, I I know the Flack was very important in in helping him to win that judgment, but when they come out then and say that the care amendment is unlikely to provide carers, people with disabilities or older people with new enforceable rights or improved services from the state, I mean, that has to be taken very seriously, does it not?
5: It does have to be taken very seriously, I mean, but they are are in favour of the family amendment. Yes, they are. You know, yes. fair, yeah. durable relationship amendment, which is the one which would impact on John, Johnny the most um, and his judgment. Mm. Um, but having said that, then you've got Carers Ireland, Fran, mm. who are coming out in favour. Yes. Of. Yeah. I think I think this is on balance a better situation for Carers. It gives them recognition. Um, they, I would have had concern whereby uh, in any amendment that we would have drafted, uh, if we had to be in government, we would have uh, covered the whole area of um, those who provide professional care as well as just uh, you know people who are of a, of a family um, and we would have covered that but look on balance we believe and I believe uh, that both of these amendments uh, put us in a better place but there's no doubt, everyone has their view and there's no doubt that these will be tested
1: in court Alright Alan, thanks for your time this morning, thank you good morning to you. Goodbye thank you friend. Well, that's uh, Tipperary Labour TD Alan Kelly speaking to us there, 29 past 10 back in just a moment
9: with Fran Curry, With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 or 111
1: or Well, Barry says uh, I can't say I'm impressed with Tip FM the way you handled um, Morris, it says here. And uh, my problem is he quoted crime figures and they we're dismissed or well able to uh, compare plenty of stuff um, between ourselves and Europe, but not something like crime. And that is classic censorship, in my opinion. Well, Barry, I wouldn't. Well, needless to say, I wouldn't think of censorship in the least. But it's my job to be here, I suppose, as, you know, mediator or facilitator or whatever. And if I don't have actual data on, on something, um, I have to bring that up. You know, I have to... Make that point. That's that's what I do. Um, Bonnie onto us to say, friend, wasn't Mister Backhurst in charge when the Coveney deal was done? He was uh, indeed. Um, take the lesson fee from the temporary universal social charge, and refund the remainder back to the taxpayers, says somebody. Um, uh, Councillor David Dunne of Sinn Féin was on to say, was Alan in the chamber when a vote was taken on RTE last week? My party will take no lectures from the absent uh, TD, and that's referring to the fact that uh, during our conversation, um, Alan was critical of uh, the Sinn Féin notion that uh, the licence fee should be abandoned and there should be an amnesty for those who didn't pay it. And the like speaking of RTE, Helen joins me now. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Helen. Lovely to talk to you today. What do you think of what's happening in RTE at the moment?
4: I think it's just the ongoing, arrogant corruption that we now have learned so sorely is part of RTE, uh, they simply forget that they are not a private company and that what they do is that they are accountable but yet the accountability seems to be um, it seems to be as they wish I, I'm just stunned that the attitude is that while all of these massive golden handshakes they're none of our business mm. and they're very much our business it's taxpayers' money And what do you Um,
1: say when uh, Mr Backhurst in particular comes uh, before the media committee in this case and he says that he's not able to give certain information because of uh, uh, binding legal issues and the stuff. Does that hold anything for you to say that he's agreed to uh, confidentiality um, agreements and, uh, and the like?
4: No, it doesn't because in many of the cases, the agreement for the golden handshake has been verbal. And even with the money that was given to Ryan Tuberty, it feels like that was a different era altogether, was a verbal agreement. Mm. And, uh, you know, the thing about a verbal agreement also is it's not worth the paper it's written on. Mm.
16: Yeah. And, so
1: and uh, do, you, do you think the the former Chief Financial Officer... Um, uh, she received 450,000 as part of her exit package do you think now is there a, a moral duty on her to return that do you think at this
4: point i i think so she should certainly even have questioned the moral right to take 450,000 as a golden handshake after working for in that position for 8 years mm. she resi- she she went in 2020 in the middle of Staff cutbacks, staff pay cuts, in RTE. And she gets a golden handshake of four hundred and fifty thousand. It, it just beggars belief that somebody could do that and having worked with these people who are taking pay cuts and just walk away quite happily. And the right. well, name she resigned. It was,
1: it was last summer. It. In fact, she she resigned. At this, uh, yeah. It wasn't in twenty twenty, but uh, just just for for um, uh, for agreement. Um, Uh, in general, funding for RTE going forward, um, how do you think it should be funded? I mean, do you think the the TV licence should continue, or how do you feel about that?
4: Well, the money has to come from somewhere. I mean, that's the reality of it. Mm. And I think that the TV licence should be... I think, yes, actually, I think we should... The TV licences should still be paid, but that the whole structure of RTE has to be revamped and that the licence license fees can't come through until they have taken out the complete and utter corruption, the overpayment of their, um, their big presenters. Big presenters are working a few hours a week and they get absolutely crazy money. And, and you know I'm that's I'm being capped paid. now,
1: going forward, that uh, they can't air in more than two hundred and fifty thousand, which is what Kevin I know, Backers.
4: Jesus. I
1: yeah, that would do Fran, me actually, funny enough, Helen.
4: I, I was just going to say, Fran, you're a <laughs> radio presenter, and and do you know something? I'm absolutely stunned that you are still with Tip FM. That. I uh, know. I don't mean to insult you when I say this. I mean it nicely, but that RTE hasn't tried to Uh-oh. take you away from us. Uh, because brilliant. you are but you're deadly serious. I've spoken about you with so many of my friends and my sister Geraldine in Limerick, who can be quite a, you know, it's like me, cynical and a bit critical and stuff. <laughs> she thinks the world of you and she uh, thinks thanks. you are an extremely Courageous presenter who goes in air to areas that n- no other presenter is going. Ah, you're, so, very, you're
1: very kind indeed. I'll, I'll so, send that tenor in the post now, Ellen. That's that's. The, what oh I'm yeah, doing. do. What What <laughs> do you make of what what uh, Sinn Fein are saying, though? They're saying that um, RTÉ should be funded from the coffers of uh, the government, in other words, ourselves, the taxpayer, and that uh, there should be an amnesty for those who didn't pay the license, and the license fee should be scrapped.
4: Right, it's a lot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think there should be an amnesty for people who, out of protest, have said, and we're not paying the licence, we've had enough. Mm-hmm. But, so, don't get the licence from people. But the tax will have will be will be taken from us in some other fashion. So, that's grandstanding. And it's also because, oh, hang on a second, there's local elections coming up, European elections coming up, and most likely... A general election. So that's grandstanding on the part of RTE. And I say that with the greatest respect for David John and Carrick, by the way, because I think the world of that man. Mm. He's absolutely sound.
1: Mm. He's a great local councillor. That's, that's, that's,
4: He's, he's terrific and he's a terrific person which well, is more important. And
1: well, I'm sure he's delighted to hear you say that this morning as well, Helen. Uh, Helen, I wish you well, and thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you. OK, thank
4: you, thank Fran. You. Bye-bye.
1: Good, good morning Bye. to you. Bye-bye to you now. Let's go to, to Jodie. Jodie, good morning to you.
17: Good morning, Fran. I'm a bit um, worse for wear now this morning, My. I have a bit of a chest infection. But oh, anyway. I'm, so,
1: I'm sorry to hear it. No,
17: Indy. no, okay. You're, you're no, bringing me back
1: to the days of Carullo-Darling, <laughs> though, when you say it's all a thundering disgrace. Um, it
17: ought yeah. I know, Fran, I'm absolutely... It's, it's it's To me, I'm sorry now, and I'm going to say this, and i am probably get in trouble for saying this, but it's white-collar crime uh, of the highest order. Where um, there's no accountability, mm. right? This um, Dee Forbes and her equals can't be brought before the committee they should be summoned before the committee, as I said in my text there last mm. week To that um if, if you did something like that in RT, you be or not in RT, sorry, in CFM, mm. you'll be pulled in front of the your bosses and whatever and friend you'll be absolutely said goodbye, get out and that's the end of you. Like I mean, at the end of the day, where are the accounts? I mean, how come um the financial controller can't come on and say, well, look at in our accounts, there must be, I worked in the accountant's office and there has to be accounts every year or every two years or whatever. It has to show up in the accounts what these people were paid you know, as a golden handshake to, to yeah. go and whatever. That's absolutely new to this. I just find I it can't interesting,
1: it. And, and again, you know this from being involved in business over the years, Jody. that um, if, if you resign, my understanding no. is if, if if I was to resign here in the morning, yeah. I'm sure they might get a pizza for me before we go and we might have they that do, downstairs. Do.
17: But, but it's a good buy, you know. You're, yeah, you're they, giving money. they do an old whiff around for your family. <laughs> but no, but yes. at the end of the day... No way would you be. No way would you be entitled to redundancy. First and foremost, and whatever. And what about the people working in RTE? It must be an absolute nightmare to work there, and whatever. And it's not fair. And it's just, I just can't understand it. I mean, what is the minister doing? She needs to really crack down really hard now because people, Fran, are absolutely sick, tired, and fed up of it. I paid my television licence for the best part of my forty-two years. I've paid my television license for coming an, uh, in and around, but I'm telling you, I'm not paying it from now on. I am not. Are you not, it Jodie? On. No, definitely not. They can come and take me in hand, customers. What well, I'm going to say, you I know I that care. you could end
1: up in in court.
17: I don't. I don't care. I honestly don't care, and I'll say the same to the judge if I'm put put up in front of them for the simple reason until it's all sorted out, until the rot is taken out of RTE and a new as Mike McDo said this morning fact a lot of them mm. all of them have to go because who is going to trust them friend mm. who is going to trust it was, them it was Shane Ross who
1: said that actually yeah but but uh, sorry, uh, would, would, Ross, you, yeah. would you go along with that would you say you know yes
17: a fact fact lot oh. I would fact a lot of them that that board has to go new board put in and it has to be watched and it's not it, it, it can't be uh neither mm. here nor there they have to watch and they have to go through every figure. That you know, I mean, it's like the doll I, I saw something coming up uh, from the Eurotis about their credit card I mm. mean, money splashed out to here, there and everywhere, and hotels and the K Club, this, that, and the other thing oh, come on friend, like, I mean, what are we working for? What, why Why are we killing ourselves? And ask ourselves why are our younger generation going off to Australia? Mm. Because they're sick and tired and fed up, but they see no future I mean, I look at my small little grandchildren and my heart aches because I said, what is there for them? You know, growing up, now, my my granny, my nanny used to always say things can't, you know, things can get bad and then they turn around again and they have to come back. But I don't know, like, I mean, I just don't know what's going, where it's all going to end, you know, at the end of the day. I'm sure we're the talk of the world, you know, RTE and it's like, and then as well as that, Fran, in RTE and then on the television, it's all repeats. You could be watching something, for instance, yesterday I put on four in a bed. I saw that five years ago. The same program, like it's yeah, repeated. And everything was repeated. That's an it's interesting. Well,
1: let let me ask you about that because I mean, you know, we hear time and time again. Oh, they're the public service broadcaster in this great yeah. bastion of um, public service broadcasting.
17: But how important
1: is particularly RT television to you, for instance, Jody? Um, <laughs>
17: Well, I tell you the truth, now, Fran, I do like RT. Yeah. I like RT one and two because, in fairness, there is good programs on it, for, you know, and whatever. And it's it's our own national television station. It's mm. you know, it's 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 and it's funded by the the the, the taxpayers and the, and the government mm. and whatever. As such, but at the end of the day, you know. Um, we have lost, look at, mm. as I said before, we've lost a lot of our sovereignties. Everything has been pawned off on us and whatever. So this is what's left. And do and um, you trust
1: what you hear on RT? Um,
17: I'm, Most of it. I, I would, Fran, more than what I'd read on the bloody, okay. uh, on the on the internet or whatever. I yeah. would, I would uh, as such and whatever. But you see, at the end of the day as well, you know, we need to have something to say, well, look, at this is our national television uh um, our national television but then and saying that then i mean the younger generation none of them my children don't watch rt yeah, I know. you yeah. know and they're yeah. in their 30s now and they wouldn't be bothered watching rt and like that so our younger generation don't care you know yeah, they
1: don't it's, care it's, about it's, it. it's it's going to be interesting uh, what happens in, the, in in the future. That, but in the meantime, you think you know the drip drip uh, of information oh, that I has to ju- stop, hasn't it? It has. Uh, no, it
17: has to stop. It has yep. to. Just she has to now this morning to say to these guys, "Enough is enough. The country has enough." But I'm telling you, friend, when it comes to the elections, the politicians are going to get it. They're going to get. I. Uh, I wouldn't like to be going around and That's all Would I have to not? say. Because oh yeah. no, I'd say they're going to get it left, right, and centre. What, what's the big one going to be? Do you think, Jody? Oh, the housing definitely, yeah. and the and the immigrants, yeah. and and health. The health situation. Everything, Franny, Everything is up in a heap. And you know, as I said before, and I'm saying it again. A lot of those, a lot of the politicians are living in their own. Bubble their the money they're on it doesn't bother them if they have only forty five cents left in their bank account that'll never happen to them you know that kind of way they're not they're not they don't know how the other half live if you know what I mean they're yeah. just listener says in a good I home worked world. for
1: forty years with and it mentions a particular company I got four hundred euro when I retired yeah. working yeah. with the wrong company sadly said so but for after forty years
17: Amanda. yeah yeah absolutely and I know people that worked for fifty years. With people and with with family, with a family in Tipperary, she didn't even get a thank you after her 15 oh years. God. So that's the way it is. But you see, the thing about it is um, they're just going to have to put a stop to it now and cut themselves on. You know, that's the way I look at it. All too. right, Jodie,
1: always good to talk to you. You, you oh, I know. look I'm after always, that chest infection, given, won't you?
17: I'm all, I will. I'm always given out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you might bring me on a funny note. And, have and you'll have a big laugh.
1: happy story for me, Jody. All, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, okay. W- will I, will I not hold my breath on that? No. <laughs> <laughs>
17: Listen, mind yourself, and you I'll too. talk to you soon. You okay, my Bye-bye, Jody. bye, bye, bye. bye.
1: That's uh, Jody speaking to us this morning. Um, sick to the teeth of hearing about RTE, not worth uh, the airtime, Fran. Uh, and uh, Patrick you're very nice. don't go towards it. I, it's, it's not a, they're not exactly rigging me <laughs> I promise you somebody else saying the content on RT is so bad they should be paying viewers uh, 180 euro not charging them, alright then we'll take a break back in a moment
14: If it matters to you it matters to us Call Tip Today on 1800 938 007
0: Join the
14: conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com.
1: A research study from the University of Cambridge has suggested that school uniforms are discouraging students from being physically active. uh, Posing the often asked question, should school uniforms be banned altogether at this uh, stage? Well, journalist and columnist with the Irish Times and also podcaster Jen Hogan joins me now. Jen, good morning to you.
18: Good morning, Fran. How are
1: you? I'm very well, Jen, and thanks for making time for us uh, this morning. Um, Always a pleasure. What about this? Um, You know, we ask this a couple of times a year, I I think. Should school uniforms be banned altogether? But uh, does that make sense to you that the uniforms are discouraging students from being physically active, Jen?
19: Absolutely,
18: and I think particularly when you look at that study, it focuses in on girls and the impact that it's having on girls in particular, and, I, and when you think about it, I mean, they're wearing skirts, they're wearing pinafores, they're even wearing those pretty shoes, you know, they're not wearing the practical runner-type shoes that the boys are wearing. Some Some schools will have a a dress code around the sort of shoes we are supposed to wear but often anyway the sort of shoes that are kind of marked to that girl are kind of pretty pretty shoes that aren't necessarily particularly practical for climbing trees or running around and all the sort of things this study focuses on because it really looked at the idea of the, the general movement that children are getting and the general play so less about the um the sports that are organized, the kind of the football, the gag, the rugby, all the sort of things that might take place and be organized and coordinated by adults outside of school. And just that general day to day playing that is not happening to the same degree with girls. And it does make sense. It makes sense when you think about it. How could you have the same freedom to cartwheel, to climb, to do different things that children do when yeah. you have a worry that your skirt might go up over your head? You know, that's, or that your shoes aren't, aren't Of course,
3: possible.
1: yes. And, what well, what I mean, surprised me about it, Jen, is that uh, the, the uh, restrictions of young people because of the uniform, it, it seems to be particularly primary school-aged mm. girls. I, I would have thought the opposite, that it would have been secondary school-aged girls.
18: Well, we already know, I suppose, by the time that children or teenagers get to secondary school, there is a massive drop off in sport, and that happens with boys too. But the, it's a very dramatic fall off um, in sport and movement for girls once they reach the teenagers. But the fact that it is impacting girls from such a young age, when you might think that maybe they have less things that might concern and there's less things at play that, that contribute to this whole drop-off that we see in the teenage years is, is really worrying. I mean, there's a multitude of reasons that kids drop off at teenage years. Things like body image, and um, puberty... A believe sometimes that sport's just for boys, um, co- even the demands of their studies and other other things going on in their lives, a, a, a lack of mm. interest, lack of motivation, the competitive nature of sports and how that, that increases as it gets. So as children and teenagers get older, all contribute to teenagers dropping off. But when we see this with young children, we know we have a real problem. And I mean, people have very mixed views around uniforms and whether or not we should hang on to them. Some people think it's time to allow children, you know, be individual. We're all about supposedly celebrating diversity and individuality and allowing children to, you know, dress as they want. Others have concerns around bullying and the, the likes of bullying, or the likes, the potential for bullying if brands come into it, and some parents can't afford to keep up with others. And then there's the practical side of it—the fact that when you don't have to think about what you're going to put your kids into every day, that that's quite the bonus. You know, everybody's dressed the same, and you have to thing but there is a simple solution to this a practical uniform and we do some schools have moved towards that that idea of putting um children in, in track suits. um everybody's in a track suit. it's comfortable you have less issues and it's much more inclusive you know if you've got a child with sensory needs it supports them too and it's practical for playing in for boys and girls to play in there it, it's like that maybe that, that place where we could meet halfway and we could mm. Um, you know, parents on both sides of the debate could maybe come together and go, "Okay, yeah, this this, this perhaps works." But we do see it. I mean, when, when you get into secondary school, we have girls and boys going in wearing ties, formal uniforms that we don't see adults doing anymore, Particularly since the pandemic, people don't dress the same way that they used to anymore. Once they got used to working from home, dress dress in the office changed completely. And yet, we're sending our our young children and our teenagers into school dressed in a way that we don't expect them to actually dress in the outside world anymore.
1: Yeah. I often wonder why something hasn't been done about this, like, years ago. You know, I mean, some of the style, particularly of what young girls have to wear either in PE or playing certain sports, is completely inappropriate.
18: Completely inappropriate. And I mean, when you think about it, we know girls are reaching puberty at an earlier yeah. age and that they're getting their periods younger, including in primary school. So, so if you have children in primary school getting their periods or through the teenagers when they're already self conscious, they're already trying to navigate yeah. this huge change in their lives. And then we put them in these tiny little knicker shorts or little short yeah. skirts, or or we have them in pinafores and, and skirts in and school. None of that is conducive to encouraging our girls to be active and to get moving and to to play with the same degree of freedom that boys can play. It is quite bizarre that General Copon hasn't yeah. prevailed and, and taken over here, and now. a
1: different body type as well. When you totally. think about that, Jen, in some of these outfits, you know, yeah.
18: yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are and again. It goes back. And boys, of course, have their own hang-ups. It's not to to suggest that boys don't have their own hang-ups when they're growing up and their own sensitivities and their own um, degree of um, being self-conscious. There's a very different pressure about the sort of body image that a boy should have, should, I I use in the inverted commas, but, you know, what what social media tells Mm. them they should have and that expectation of boys. But for girls who are dealing with this huge change in body shape, and it's quite a shock to the system, you know, when your shape changes quite so dramatically and then we have them in uniforms that make them feel uncomfortable and and, and exposed, and that just doesn't that they're not comfortable in. I mean, there is such an easy way around this, and and it seems to me bizarre that we aren't taking what that we haven't taken that move. And this study reveals that the, that that difference um, in active, girls' activity levels is. It, mm. it's, it's obvious in the schools where uniforms, or obvious in the countries where uniforms are the norm. So, so it yeah. is having a direct impact.
1: And Dr. Ryan, the the person behind this at at Cambridge, saying we we now need more information on this and to build on these findings. But do we
4: do we really need do we really
1: need more information on this, Jane? Do, do we
4: need another study? To, do we need another study? I know. What we're
18: doing is daft, and it's time to. To use our general common sense and cough on and actually make, you know, it shouldn't be about uniforms for, for kids. That should not be their focus. Can I play? Do these shoes allow me to play? Does this skirt allow me to play? Do these knicker shorts allow me to yeah. It shouldn't be about that sort of thing. It should be about their comfort and then allowing them to ha- enjoy and absorb and be the best that they can be within the school experience instead of them focus on even things like even if we w- look away from the likes of the skirts and the um, and the, burs, the, the itchy yeah. jumpers you know the stiff collars on the shirts it, it just makes no sense anymore, and we don't need a study to tell us that. We definitely don't need a study to tell us do you, that. Do
1: you remember back to your own days with, with uniforms, Jen? And
18: I do. I do. Yeah, I've heard the word knicker shorts come up a few times. <laughs> I still have. That's why <laughs> I asked,
1: Jen. <laughs> <laughs>
18: These knicker shorts that, oh my God, it was just, it, oh, it, they were just, they were literally like an oversized pair of granny's knickers that you walked out and you were supposed to do pee and then you were supposed to just be be fine in that and uh, yeah I do I remember it clearly and I remember the days in primary school of the skirt and the pinafore and being jealous watching the boys I was very into yeah. sport and very into football and wanting to join in but you know it was a totally different. Uh, experience if you went down and your skirt went up. My God, your childhood could be ruined, ruined oh
1: from God, it. So. Absolutely, Jen. It's, <laughs> it's always a, a pleasure, down. and thank you so much for taking time out for us, Jen. Thank you,
18: pleasure, Fran. You. Take care, bye.
1: good morning to you. Bye bye you. Now that's uh, Jen Hogan, who is a journalist and columnist and mum, and uh, now a podcaster as well. By the way, if you want to look up what she's doing online, eighteen hundred nine three eight double uh, o seven. I don't think school uniforms should be done away with, Fran. Um, In National School in North Tipperary, kids have a tracksuit for sport classes or games outside, and there's a couple of days a week, Um, and uh, that's for 20 years or so now, so uh, no longer happening in some schools. Well, there you go. Somebody else saying girls wear tracksuits going to school, they wear runners under their uniforms, and even leggings under their uniforms. Well... Well done. Uh, Brian, on to say, um, I'm not sure why anybody's surprised about this RTE scandal. The links between people in government and uh, people in RTE is alarming. That also goes for the big name print and uh, online media. That's the reason nobody trusts news coverage. It's too closely linked and not good for impartiality, says Brian. News and information are coming up.
14: Tip today
9: with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
14: Tip today with Fran
9: Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find Find out if this applies to your vehicle. Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Uh, thanks very much, Neat Pat, and uh, you're welcome back. Uh, one listener says, if you do away with the uniforms that makes them all equal, you will have the kind of stuff some of us went through when the haves uh, were all the expensive sports gear and the have-nots uh, from uh, pennies and duns and create a difference straight away. Not a good idea. It's a very, very valid point uh, indeed. Somebody else saying, Fran, I think kids should have uniforms but girls should be allowed to wear trousers especially uh, with the cold weather. My daughter was uh, so cold this winter in school it's an all-girls school and trousers are not allowed. Mixed schools allow girls wear skirts or trousers. My daughter plays plenty of sports in school but has to bring gear most days and changes into her tracksuit before and after her sport. Uh, It's all time-consuming and she's only in first years as one of our listeners on double one. Now, as you're well aware at this point, on the 8th of March, we'll be asked to vote in two referendums to change our constitution. The first referendum concerns the concept of family In the Constitution. The second one proposes to delete an existing part of the Constitution and insert new text providing recognition for care provided by family members to each other. Now, you have two separate votes on whether you wish to make the proposed changes to the current text of Article 41 of uh, the Constitution. Now, there's been much debate online uh, as to how this particular vote will affect care as well. Let's hear about that now because I'm glad to be joined by the Mayor of Clonmel, Councillor Richie Malloy, who's also. Area Manager with Family Cares Ireland. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning to you, friend, and your and, listeners. And good to see you today. Am I right in thinking Family Cares Ireland, you're advocating a yes, yes?
6: That, that's correct, Fran. I suppose the 8th of March is a very important day, as you say, with this referendum coming up, and you'll be asked two questions on the day. The first one there is amend Article 41 to provide for a wider concept of a family just beyond the marital family. That's, I mean, traditionally would be the mam and the dad and that would be the family and the married family. I mean, now we will all accept, you know, you could have two men, you could have two women. You know, the the family is much, much wider than it was when the Constitution was first put together. The second question then is delete Article 41.2 to remove the text on the role of women in the home and insert a new article, 42b, which will finally recognise the word family carer. And while we in family carers accept, the warning could be a lot stronger, but it's the first time that the word carer has been mentioned in the Constitution. And the other line of that would be that we have to also accept, while the majority of carers in the country are women, but there is a, a certain... I mean, there could be 30% of carers are male it would carers. Would it be
1: as high as that?
6: It would, it would. They're not as well that. known yeah. because I suppose a lot of male carers don't tend to go to, like, organisations such as us. They mightn't become members of support groups. But in the census, you'll see there is a huge percentage of male carers out there.
1: What did you make when, uh, you know, Flack, the Free Legal Advice Centre, coming out to say that the care amendment is unlikely to provide carers, people with disabilities or older people with new enforceable rights or improved services from the state. Now, they're a
6: very recognised body, very, you know... I well, a- absolutely. I mean, it's true they came out this morning and said that, but from our point of view of Family Care as Ireland, this has gone back to the 1990s, the idea of changing the wording in the Constitution, and several groups have come forward since 1993, proposing various wordings that never reached the stage of a referendum as such. Now, the word strive is in this new new proposal. Strive, you know, I'd accept it can mean anything. It can. We were hoping that they'd say shall. Yes. You know, that they'd actually be obliged to well, provide support. But the word strive doesn't oblige them, Richard. It doesn't oblige, but at the same time, my gut thing in this is that it's a tiny, tiny step forward, and that's why I'd be advocating to vote vote yes to both questions in the referendum because if you vote no, it'll stay exactly the same. And if it's taken twenty years to get this wording out of the government, it's just going to be left there. Right. And then we'll be exactly where we so, are. So
1: so what Flack is saying it won't change the mind of your of your 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 you organization. Know, uh, uh,
6: there is a number, I suppose just to say there is a number number of organizations have come out to support and That would be the National Women's Council of Ireland because there was a kind of a thing online there for a while saying that this legislation was somehow anti-women or taking the role of the woman Well, out it of, takes the word woman out of the it Constitution, takes the which,
1: woman, which is offensive to a lot of people.
6: Offensive to a lot And I know talking to young, say, teenagers mm. and that now, they couldn't see what was this thing about the woman in the home because in all honesty, even though the Constitution said... By economic necessity, the woman would not have to work outside the home Mm. if she didn't want to. But should we all accept that in the last 30 or 40 years, you had to nearly have Mm. two people working?
1: But you don't accept that there's misinformation out there around that. I know we're. Diverting off the point here a little bit. There's misinformation about uh, because some government uh, members coming out and saying what that means is that you know oh you know the woman is forced to stay in the home. It's it's not that it's at not all. Not that at
6: all. I mean, I, 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 you'd have to accept when that constitution was put together in the first place. Yes. I mean, you were talking about a totally different Ireland back in the 1930s. You know, mm. we say with you know Devilleira, the Archbishop McQuaid, you know, really putting the constitution mm. together. Like you have to change things over that length of time and. And that's why I was very happy myself to see the National Women's Council of Ireland coming out so strongly to say that they're in support of this. Now, there's no doubt about those weaknesses in this, mm. but I'd say no government will put in wording, I suppose, that actually sort of almost immediately obliges them to provide supports. Our idea is to use this as as a leverage going forward, that if this is uh, mm. passed on the eighth of March, yeah,
1: we'll use and, it. And are you... Are you comfortable that this won't add uh, problems to an existing, like, travesty, I think, in terms of care has been overlooked over the years? Because, again, just a quote from Flack, they're, they're saying the proposal gives constitutional expression to harmful stereotypes in care provision and potentially
6: compromises the right of people with disabilities. That's heavy. That's it's, it's a heavy statement, but I really can't see where, where they're coming from because as it stands at the moment, the word care isn't there at all there's no recognition, really, for a family carer. There would be recognition for somebody with a disability, as things are now, but the word carer doesn't come into any uh, documents, whereas this will be the first time that the word actual family carer will be mentioned. Now, you can interpret it both ways, but I suppose as an organisation we'll be interpreting it to mean that the government are finally saying there is such a thing there as a family carer. And and do you not feel...
1: I'm a little cynical in my old age. Do you not feel used in some way that all of a sudden carers are at the centre of this when, God knows, the conversations you and I would have had over the years, carers are way down the line.
6: No, one thing I'm aware, conscious of, this referendum I think is costing something in the region of £20 million yeah. to actually hold. And you could say to yourself, on one hand, £20 million would provide a lot of home respite and so on. But in the bigger picture, we have to kind of finally get, Recognition for carers. I mean, most carers will often say to you, sometimes it's not about the money, it's just the fact that they're there, they're like seeing the recognition the in- like they're like an invisible workforce. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, even you know, what kind of professionally and personally, I would push for the yes side because you're moving a tiny step forward. Whereas, if this thing is not passed on the 8th of March, you'll be exactly where you are now, and what other government will, well, they'll probably just forget about it. It'll be left there for another. Another, right. another point the government
1: is making is that in the future if this is passed carers will be able to bring the government to book and, and, and bring them to court if necessary. Well, that's is, where, is that your reading That's
6: of? our re- like as an organisation family carers are, you know like they're an, we're the national organisation for family carers and we're looking at this if it's passed on the 8th is now you have some bit of leverage when you're going in to meet government I and mean, we were constantly lobbying for recognition and I suppose you've got to get recognition first and then try to go after them for the services but there's no doubt about it the services are very poor in mm-hmm. Ireland from a family carer's point of view there's no ending of stories of people getting 30 minutes home carers in the morning, 45 minutes. So I think this, whether the government really mean it or not, it will tie them in some way into recognising the fact that
1: there is... It'll actually. be interesting. So that that's the view of the organisation, but I mean, on a day-to-day basis, Richie, I know you're taking phone calls from people, you have people dropping in to see you.
6: What, is it mixed, what you're hearing from there, people? There's definitely a lot of confusion out there now, because just as I was coming in here, I got a text, I won't say the carer's name now, but more or less text me to say, what should we do on the 8th of March from a carer's point of view because I suppose if you're caring 24 or 7, have you really got the time to be studying all this documentation now the booklets are being issued by the commission that gives you know the balance of mm-hmm. the yes and the no, some people have said they haven't got those books mm-hmm. yet but we're kind of assured that in the next week or so every house in the country will have that little booklet giving you Fairly straightforward, Mm. and they're obliged to give you a balanced view. They're obliged to give you, and it's important, it's probably important too that people sit back and actually read this because my fear on the day is that the turnout will be low Mm. and apathy reigns, and sometimes people get tired of listening to debates. Mm. But from this week onwards, I think there'll be a lot more talk about the referendum and that people, I'd encourage people to read that booklet that comes in the door More. and certainly look at our own website, Family Carers, I know we're pushing the yes side, but just to have yourself aware yes. of the two
1: sides. Interestingly enough, though, from, from your point of view, then if you're advocating a yes, yes, there is a possibility, and sometimes it happens in uh, referendums,
6: that it could turn into a protest vote. That's always the danger that people will use this referendum as a way of kind of voting almost no confidence in the government, mm. but you really have to put that aside because we'll have a general election within the next twelve months, and that's the time to make a protest for, even the local elections in June is a way maybe of a protest vote if you're against the government or such but i'd be I'd be asking people not to use this referendum as a protest for like it's a serious thing a referendum. It's taken 20 years to get here. I could look back at various organisations in the past have tried to get wording like this. Mm. Like you have the Second Commission on Women. I just fly through these. In 1993, said it should be deleted. 1996, there was some kind of a review group. An all-party committee in 1997 were on about deleting 41.2. 2006, 2016. Look how many Mm. times it's been tried, but it never actually got to the people. You know, for one reason or another, it was never put before the people.
1: It appears that Michael McDowell is leading the, the no vote on, on this, and as a former Attorney General, I suppose he's certainly being listened to, but several people want to know, what do you think of what it is that he's saying and the caution that he's putting out there?
6: Yeah, you see, I was listening to Michael McDowell there, I think it was on The Tonight Show there last week, and his pints and that, but... Uh, The one thing I was surprised at, he was inclined to say, oh, they should go back to the drawing board and come back with better wording. But in 20 years, they haven't come up with this wording. And, you know, even in fairness, Michael McDowell would have been a minister in Mm. various governments Mm. and they didn't come up with any... because they know how difficult it is to come up with suitable wording. And it's all that question. Anyone, when they're in government, they don't want to box themselves into a corner. Mm. And that's where this word strive and the word shall comes into play. We had a, a meeting here in Clanmelder recently now uh, of carers, and this was the debate. Where were yes. they going on it? And a lot of carers did express the view that they weren't happy with the word strive because they felt it left the government off the hook. Right. But at the end of that meeting, and I was in Cork the other night with another group of carers, at the end of those sessions, people felt that by voting yes, yes, it was moving a small step forward. And that's the way I do it.
1: Yeah, somebody else saying that a carer is different to a parent, it's all too confusing,
6: says Caroline. And in fairness, there is huge confusion there. There is, because even when you go back to how do you define a carer, yeah. certainly when I started with the organisation, most people felt that carers were coming from the HSC, a professional carer, and I'm always at pains to talk, that we're talking about the family care and who are the family carers. And the family carer can be the grandmother, the grandfather, an aunt, maybe a neighbour up the road could be looking after an elderly person. So tis, that often gets mixed up in this, but we really are stressing it's the family carer that we're talking about. And it's the same for this um,
1: article. Oh, Rachel, thanks for that. Before I let you go, Richie, still getting reports here about water over the weekend in, in, yeah. in Clonmel. Outages again? Yeah, I
6: mean, it was shocking. I don't know how many calls I got over the weekend. There was a burst pipe just to do with the, my, the Monroe supply. I mean, the biggest problem with Ischgairn at the moment is most of these outages happen at the weekend. Very difficult to contact anyone in Irish Water. The council there since last September are really out. We're not informed as such when there's an outage. We can go on to the website. We have a special designated number for yeah. public reps. Does that, does that work, that, that magical the, number? The, the trouble with that number is it mainly operates Monday to Friday. Oh. And when we ring that number... You were talking to people in a call centre and if you don't have the exact air code where you're talking about, you're lost for one thing. But I find they're very slow at coming back with the updates when it's going to be restored. I mean, the biggest mistake definitely was setting up Ishkairn to begin with. Millions were wasted on it. They in turn are coming back to the County Council to go out and actually repair it. It seems they've created an extra layer. For no reason. But really, Ishgairn seem to be starved of funds. That seems, And the the network in Clanmel in particular hasn't really been upgraded since the 50s. And the outages, are they sorted now or will they be sorted My today? understanding is it came back yesterday with the particular okay. one over this weekend. But there's not a weekend no. that goes by that there's not some outage. And until the government really allocate proper funding, I would say, to Ishgarn, they've just created this name but no funding behind it.
1: All right. Uh, Richie, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank we'll you. take a break. Back with more in just a moment.
14: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry
0: In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan. The name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Garage.ie.
14: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry
0: In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Welcome back to Tip Today. 1800 007, the text and WhatsApp is in once, 311 A huge amount of correspondence in following my chat there with uh, Mayor of Clonmel, uh, Richie Malloy, also of course Manager, Area Manager of Family Cares Ireland. It is something we will get back to, needless to say, but thank you very much indeed for that uh, 083311 3311
14: Tipperary Women in Business on TIP FM, funded by Commissioner Naman with the television licence fee. Tipperary's
3: TIP FM
1: and as you know, we're featuring uh, women in business in this particular slot, and we'll be doing so for the next few months. But I'm delighted today uh, to be joined by a young woman, and that's uh, Gina Kazimerick, uh of uh, Genie Nails in and Good morning to you, Gina. How are you? Good
13: morning. You? Good, and yourself?
1: Did I mangle that lovely surname?
13: <laughs> no, it's all right.
1: <laughs> all right. What is the proper pronunciation of it?
13: Um, Kazimieric.
1: Oh, Lord. I, I did. And is, is that Polish? Yes. Okay. But tell yeah. me about your background.
13: I'm actually born in Germany. Okay. Yeah, I moved here when I was just about turning six. So I've been here 15 years.
1: All right. So that explains the lack of vaccines yeah. and, the, and the like. It's lovely to have you Thank in you. today. 22 years old and a businesswoman. Um, yeah. Does that surprise a lot of people?
13: Yeah. Yeah. I am quite young, you yeah. <laughs> would say. They wouldn't like, when I say, oh, I own. Genie's Beauty or something, they'd be like, oh, what? Yeah, really? Like, and I'm like, yeah.
1: Yeah, they can't believe that somebody of your age would be an entrepreneur, I suppose, a business yeah. person, yeah? So tell me about that. Um, was this always something you wanted to do going through school?
13: Um, no, I actually, like, um, it wasn't my first career choice going into, like, nails or anything. It just, I just kind of fell into it. Um, I I was in school and I just... I only got my nails on, like, three times. And I, I just loved it. I yeah. just... I loved having them done. I loved the feeling of them and everything. So I started looking at a lot, a lot online about videos and how they do them and everything. And I just, I loved acrylic, like mainly acrylic. So I looked into how you do them. So I got a kit off Amazon, but it was so bad. It was, was it? It, I, I couldn't work it. Like it was right. just the consistency. The quality was really bad. So I invested in professional products and I loved it. Like I really did. The only problem was it didn't last long. It fell off within a week. So I was like, I'm going to do a course. So that's when I did in Dublin acrylic course, and yeah, I qualified and they stuck.
1: (laughs) That's kind of interesting. So it wasn't that you set out to be a business person, but this this line that you're in really it 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 just struck home with you and and made you very passionate about it. Is that? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah.
13: Yeah, I just loved it. I love doing. I'm just sitting there doing nails all day. All right. So it's
1: one thing then to get an idea and say I'd love to do this, but getting it up and running is a whole other ball game will you yeah, tell me about it was,
13: that I didn't expect it like honestly there were so many things where I didn't know even exist that I had to get done like what getting into it like just like like um, getting into the space and then all the qualifications you need all the paperwork all the um, tax like around like just owning a commercial space and everything I like, I didn't know that was a thing until I actually went and did it so I was and very surprised and insurance
1: public liability yeah that and all as well that too, that's too, so yeah.
13: important like you, you need it Definitely. Right.
1: Did, did it? Was it so daunting at times that you might have said, ah, I don't know, I don't know." Yeah,
13: well. but it's so important to have a very supportive circle, like your friends and family. They are really supportive, so that kind of helped me stay on topic, like stay, keep going, because they were all like, "It's going to work out in the end." So yeah, yeah. It was, so
1: tell me about uh, what the story is at the moment. You have a space in Cashel. I do. Yeah. Okay, do. and it's called
13: Jeannie's Beauty. It's at um, One Ladieswell Well Street.
1: Very good indeed. I love the town of Cashel, needless <laughs> to say. But of course, Cashel is booming now. Yeah. Um, so much going on there in the Palace Hotel has been such a positive. Has that played into your business as well, do you think?
13: Um, I'd say it will, because I, I know Cashel is still continuously growing. Yeah. like I can tell by how many houses are being built. And like just the commercial spaces were going. like They come and they go straight away. So even finding one was very difficult.
3: Yeah,
1: we were talking about being young and how that might surprise people what about being a young woman though um
13: yeah i mean it was harder to get taken seriously i think was it? i I mean when i was trying to get things done like paperwork wise or anything i can't really have to chase people constantly like ring them email them so many times just to get it done why do
1: you think that is gina
13: i, I don't know like i just i was thinking maybe it's because i'm just young and stuff like just
1: yeah not it's not the ways. fact that you're a young woman, particularly yeah. is it, or or did that add to it uh, do oh, you I think?
13: don't know it could be, because yeah. it's just i was it was hard to get things seriously, I would just, I'd look up and down and be like, mm, you know
1: it's interesting, isn't it, yeah in instead of being delighted that somebody of your age would have a a business yeah. head on them, you know. Tell me about what exactly you do to somebody who wouldn't know an awful lot about nail care and uh, nail design and that because you brought in some stuff with you Tell me yeah. about what, what we have in, here I brought in
13: a display of nail charms because some people they do love to get a bit of Bling. (laughs)
1: Bling. Okay, so explain to me. This is put on top of the nail, is it? Yeah, you glue
13: them on with like either gel or something strong, obviously, because you don't want them falling off. But, yeah, so...
1: And you've got some amazing ones there. I mean, you've got crucifixes, you've got hearts, you've got snakes. Yeah, Um, options.
13: Yeah. And then I also brought um, a bottle of Biab because, you know, to show what it would look like, and acrylic. Okay. And then some swatches, how people pick colours and everything. Our okay. swatches for our acrylic that's, type that's colour. what they are. Okay. Yeah, so I have the regular gel polish, then I have the Biab colours, and then I have the acrylic colours as well.
1: Right. Tell me about the difference between all of that. Now.
13: Um, well, acrylic is like this powder, and then you dip it in, like with the brush, in monomer. Okay. And then you dip it in acrylic to create like that, and then it'll go hard through like the air with the chemical reaction when will okay. make it. yeah. And then with Biab, it's like a thicker gel polish, but a softer one compared to hard gel. So it's like in between. So all it gives right. that more natural effect.
1: Okay, and you have this then which gives people an indication of what what they'll look like, what the finished product will look like.
13: Yeah, so they can pick for like when they want the art drawn on top or just the base on its own so what it would look like.
1: Isn't that incredible? And of course, some of it is so outrageous now, isn't it? What people are looking for.
13: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of different styles and everything so you kind of have to cater to everybody.
1: What's driving this, Gina? Are influencers are pop stars? Our, what, what's driving this? I,
13: yeah, social media, definitely. Do
1: you think so? Yeah.
13: <laughs> yeah, you see some crazy sets online like... <laughs> don't you? But
1: I see certain people who are a little bit more mature, shall we say, indulging in this as well. I mean, older yeah. people are doing this, aren't they?
13: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have yeah. a long range of age, like well, what, really young. What really. is the
1: future for you? I mean you're going to develop your business. But, I mean, do you see a string of shops? or what How would you um, like to
13: see? I don't know, but I definitely want to add more treatments. Like, I would love to get into like lashes that. as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking into that.
1: Right. So that's, like, false lashes, is it?
13: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can see yeah, you I can know get...
1: an awful lot about this. Yeah, you can get <laughs> coloured ones as well. Coloured ones?
13: Yeah, yeah, you'd have them, like, you can have, like, the tips, like, red or white or blue or pink. Oh,
1: you can't be serious.
13: Yeah. I've seen ones with glitter actually. I thought that was a bit <laughs> mad. They'd have like little hearts on their eyelashes. I was like, whoa.
1: Wow, okay. And again, this is coming from social media.
13: Yeah, think. I've seen that online, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen anyone with, in person though, but I have seen it online.
1: Right, very good. Do people tend to come to you around the, the time for weddings or family celebrations or stuff? Or is it just in general they're getting this work done?
13: In general as well, yeah.
1: Yeah.
13: Like every month they get their refill. And they always love some. Design on it,
1: (laughs) yeah. And can you talk to me about cost, for example? Um, yeah. If you get everything done in acrylic and you have a few of these lovely little designs that you stick, on, what what sort of cost are we talking about?
13: Well, with just like acrylic, I charge forty five euro. But um, for
1: for for all nails, for all the nails, is that it?
13: Yeah, like just for just like acrylic, like you know, but I wouldn't charge much extra for like anything on them, depending on what it is like. But for charms, I would charge like an extra. Right. like 50 cent or something like I wouldn't yeah, which go is much that? and then for vibe <coughs> it's completely different again and then for refill it, it's less because it's a refill not starting from the beginning
1: yeah well, what does that mean so a top up sorry yeah, is, that, exactly. is that what it is yeah.
13: yeah
1: and do you have the same people coming back to you time and time again
13: yeah yeah they're my regulars <laughs> I'd say so they'd come back every like when they need a, a refill yeah
1: yeah. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. What, what about going to school? I mean, did you enjoy school? Did you have a good time?
13: As in, like, for... Just, just
1: being in school, were you a, a studious type? Uh, no, you? I wouldn't
13: say so. No? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. No, I just kind of just... I was just there...
1: And after school, what did you do first of all? What?
13: First thing I did after school because um, I was in sixth year when COVID hit. All oh, right. Yeah. So it was just kind of like in middle of sixth year, like mine was the first like year that there was no leaving cert. Oh yeah. So it was kind of confusing. I was like not sure what I wanted to do because I actually originally wanted to do something that involved like travelling around, like languages or um, air or stewardess. But because of COVID, that was out of the question. So that's when I just kind of fell into nails. It's interesting,
1: and I think you were telling Leanne that you have to kind of prop your business up by doing other work as well. Is that? Is that yeah, fair? I do work
13: in another job. Yeah. So that kind of is what I use to invest and to keep it steady. Because I'm only new, so it doesn't like can't really pay for itself. So I do work in another job to pay for that.
1: Some of our politicians tend to listen to the 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 program. I'm just wondering what a 22 year old business person would have to say to them. I mean, is it? Is it difficult to start a business, unnecessarily difficult to start a business?
13: Yeah, I mean, there's no like, like there is support things, but they always have to have certain conditions to meet like the requirements and everything. So it's quite difficult as well, because it's not like shown to you straight away as well. You Mm. always have to search for it yourself Mm. to like be able to find something. So, yeah, it is quite difficult, especially with all the prices and everything. And like being young, you're always going to. You're not going to have a good job straight away with a big wage. Like you're just going to start off with minimum wage and everything.
1: Right, but they should be making it easier for people to start up in business. Do
13: you, do you think? Yeah, because yeah. it's like, a lack of, even when I was doing a course to like um, for business, like for new people, they were mentioning how many businesses close within a year, and it was a high number.
1: Mm. Okay, but you're not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> oh yeah. All oh, right, okay. You you spoke about the supports from family and friends and yeah. uh, the like. Yeah. How how important was that?
13: Really important because like you'll have days where you're just like you feel like oh no like it's not going to work. You're just down the whole time. So you have like a supportive circle and they'll help you and be like no like that you're going to pull through and everything. Even when I did renov- um, renovations, they helped me like paint and everything. Did they? Yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah. Very helpful. Did
1: anybody say you're absolutely mad? <laughs> Did anybody say that to you along the way?
13: Um not really. They were just like, Oh go for it like Yeah. So I was like, Yeah.
1: Very good indeed. Now I presume it's an appointment or can people yeah. walking off the street? No, you, you prefer an appointment.
13: Yeah, obviously. especially because I'm working on the job, so oh, it wouldn't okay. need to be appointment.
1: Right, okay. So, well, yeah. well, make the use of the free platform here. If people want to contact you about nails, how can they, um, how can they do Instagram, that? On Instagram,
13: even Facebook. I've, I've started an account on Facebook as well. Yeah, um, yeah on Instagram, it's genies underscore beauty. And then on Facebook, it's just genies beauty.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Why, why did you laugh about Facebook? Is it because that's for old people like me is that no, it? I
13: actually i don't know why but i kind of <laughs> struggle using facebook like i don't know why why what but think about
1: that for me why is it because it's associated with a, an older demographic <laughs> shall we say
13: i'm not sure because i'm so used to like the other platform that when i go on facebook i'm just lost
1: you're just lost
13: i'm just lost It
1: is, is amazing the way things go and do you have a phone number that people can use or
13: um i do yeah mm. What happened
1: here. She has to go rooting in her
13: pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I have a business card. Yes. It's um oh eight seven four nine one
1: All right. Well, we wish you the very, very best with uh, the business and I hope it goes from strength to uh, strength. But as I say, you're in the gorgeous town of sure <laughs> It has to uh, go very well. Do you want to give a shout out to the parents and to the, the family and all of that <laughs> Yeah,
13: they've been the best, all right, so okay. helpful
1: <laughs> Gina, <laughs> yeah. we wish you the very best indeed, uh, Gina Beauty uh, in Cashel, Ladies Well Street yeah. in Cashel. alright, uh, great to see you today and congratulations, thank you. thank you We'll take a break, back with more in just a moment
14: Join the conversation in Tipperary, contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email Tip Today at tipfm.com if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on one 938
1: Now, a meeting is taking place in Mulnighone this week with a view to setting up a first responders group in uh, the area. And anybody familiar with the work of the first responders in Newcastle below, what a vital and often uh, life saving service they provide, well, Linda Adriano. Is a chairperson of Callan First Responders and she's involved in the meeting this week and she joins me now. Good morning, Jelinda. Good
16: morning, Fran. How are you?
1: I'm very well and thank you so much for your time uh, this morning. No, not at all. Thank you. Will you tell me about first responders and the importance of the work that uh,
16: you're doing? Sure. Okay. Well, we originally set up in, in Callan um, in May 2022. And at the time, we'd gone to an information night and said, you know, how it could benefit the community and what we could do to help our community in particular. And also because the National Ambulance Service are under such pressure to get to locations, especially rural areas, um, that that these groups could actually help an awful lot. So in May 22, we set up. um, We will actually be getting a text from the National Ambulance Service and it says whether it's a cardiac arrest, chest pain or stroke. Now, any of these calls could come in, and we have nine responders. We started with a lot less, and it has built up through the time, which is fantastic. Uh, We will then be alerted to that emergency. We will leave, and we can get to that emergency between three and five minutes. Three minutes has been our fastest. Uh, And when you look at Callan for that size, we have different volunteers who live in different parts of Callan. So two could arrive in case of cardiac arrest, five could arrive.
1: And, the, and this is life-saving stuff, Linda, isn't it?
16: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if we can get there within three or five minutes, we've got a, a you know double, if not triple, a chance of saving somebody's life. And we also carry defibrators, yes. so AED, with us. So if we get there, we can basically start CPR straight away. Somebody of the family may have started already. But we can start CPR and the AED attached again, we we give the patient an extra chance of survival. Uh, We keep the patient going then until the ambulance arrives.
1: And what about the kind of training that you have to undergo?
16: So we have instructors. We've
4: got two instructors in our group
16: now. And again, it's personal development as we go along. Um, We will train the volunteers to, it's called FEC, so Pre-Hospital Emergency Care Council Training, so fully certified to be Hmm. a community first responder. And they will learn everything from how to deal with a cardiac arrest, down to a stroke or possible chest pains that may not be linked to cardiac arrest or yes. heart attack, but the patient doesn't know that. So we're there straight away to help and assess the patient.
1: It's, a, it's incredible. We, Is yeah. it very difficult to get those qualifications, though? And and how much time are we talking about, Linda?
16: Well, the volunteering, as we said, we we're going to try and help on the home, set one up, if that's something that they want to do. Yeah. And with their training, it would be um, a number of hours to get the effect training. And you're, you, are, you are talking a good, you can give it at least six, seven hours to get yes. a really good detailed course. And right. after that, then each category, then we would train and train and train in cardiac arrest scenarios, be out, outdoors, somewhere, be indoors. Same for chest pains, we get people to do role plays. And we keep going through this training. And for a new group setting up, you are going to be training every week. That's just, look, you can't go live with the Ambulance Service until you are fully confident. And anyone new joining the group as well doesn't go live till they're confident, and they don't have to.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, You'd want to be a calm, cool, collect sort of person, though, I guess, Linda, would you? Absolutely, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, not, not easily sort of flustered, I suppose.
16: It's not, and I suppose that's where the training comes in, and... Because we have two trainers, and if Mulnahone just decide to go, we will be training with them to start them off until they feel comfortable that they can actually attend these calls. And then, with that confidence, they will then be able to go out. But we won't leave them because we're we we, we have a radius of five kilometres. Yes. If Munahone also take five kilometres as well, we could be we could be overlapping very very slightly there in the middle between the, the border.
1: Of course. So we're, we're talking about Wednesday night here. I think it's in the community hall in Molnahol, It is indeed, yeah, yeah. 7.15.
16: 7, and who would so you like to come well along to, come. to that, Linda? Anybody at all in the community. Uh, like You don't have to join the group. It's to know what the first responders can do for the community, how they can benefit you. And the training there as well for the community, we can give training just the community, not just to instructors, not just to the volunteers. Of course. So because we can that train could a household. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if there's a uh, cousins or families or a household or whatever it is, we trained t- for example twelve people there on a number of occasions in groups. There are two instructors we have, but again you can take eight in a group at a time. And those eight people can then go out and look, you know, use those skills.
1: Which which is, is exactly what what is needed. Can you remember the first time you went out, Linda?
16: Yes, I can. I was very—I was nervous at the start, but we go out with somebody, right? So you you kind of buddy up, and nice. you know, once you go in there and you you do reassess the situation, you do calm yourself down because you've had that training, mm. yeah. and you got to remember that if you assess them and go through your training step by step, we can then see where the patient is at what stage. We can then again keep calm, ring the National Ambulance Service um, headquarters they'll contact the paramedics en route. And we're then able to communicate to them at what stage the patient's at, if the CPR has been carried out or if it's a stroke that's maybe taking place, we'll be able to tell them what the situation is before they actually arrive. And that's vital.
1: And when when it's a positive outcome and when you've played a part in saving somebody's life, uh, that must be an incredible buzz, is
16: it? It is. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it shouldn't be something where... You know, if someone ever goes into cardiac arrest, it should never be something that we're happy about. But we are delighted to get there in time. And especially if we do save them, that's it. I mean, for the family, it's, it's encouraging. But if i on other calls that we go to for, say, chest pains or stroke, mm. we don't hear the outcome. And we're not. We don't. It's confidentiality is essential. So we don't go. If we see a person in the street who we've been to, we don't acknowledge them because mm. that is personal. And that exposes the hard part because we always wonder, you know, did, mm. you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Joe or whoever it is, did they survive? Yes, of course. And the amazing thing is the fundraising that we've done in Callum was their number now since we started, the last one we did last weekend, this gentleman came up to me uh, with other my volunteers with me as well, we were all together, and he said, because of you, you came to me on time, I now have two stints in my heart because you you made the assessment. Wow. The paramedics came and then they do their obviously their own assessment there, a very, very thorough assessment. And he was brought to the hospital and he has two stents and he's there standing in front of us. That is the achievement. is that? And incredible. again like that in hmm. homes, that could be your neighbor. It could be a person from the shop. You don't know.
1: Very good. So this coming Wednesday night, I think it's about quarter past seven, Linda, as far as I know. Quarter goes, past seven.
16: Yeah, yes indeed. Yeah. 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 So ev- everybody very, very welcome. Yeah. Uh, and, and you don't have to go live, like if someone doesn't want to go live, yes. there is plenty of opportunities to join even the group as a treasurer, a secretary, um, someone who looks after maybe the equipment, me the chairperson and you know, bring everything together, or take the calls and forward them then to your, your team. So there's plenty of plenty of opportunities for everybody.
1: There's right, plenty of roles there as well. Linda, lovely to talk to you. Congratulations on all the really wonderful so work that you're Thank doing. Thank you, you so much. Announce. We hope to see people at Molnahol on
16: Wednesday evening.
1: All right. Thanks, Linda. Thank you. Good morning no problem to you. At all. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. you now? That's uh, Linda Adriano there. And uh, Molnahol Community Hall on uh, this coming Wednesday at quarter past seven, if you're interested in that uh, wonderful work. And now with all of the talks surrounding... Uh, the upcoming referendums on the show today. Many people have gotten in touch with us to share their own uh, concerns. Fiona was in touch and joins me now. Good morning, Fiona. Hi, Fran. How are you doing? Uh, Good to talk to you today. You have certain concerns around this this particular referendum or do you think uh, about elections in general?
19: I think about elections in general, Fran. Um, I've been listening intently to your coverage all last week and I have to commend you like you're you're listening to both sides you know um, and I started all of this I would feel knowing very little about it, it wasn't really something that was on my radar, So suppose we're all busy, we're all working we're trying to support our families yeah. and do what we can um, but the more I'm here the more I kind of started questioning and you know there were a couple of things the first thing that really kind of Kind of made me prick up my ears. You had a contributor last week where you were talking about people make, to make sure that they were registered to vote, firstly. Yes. And yes. um, now I believe that having a vote is such a privilege and everyone should exercise the right to vote, whatever that vote may be, whether I agree with them or don't, everyone should vote. Um, I can't bear when people afterwards are cribbing about a result. Mm. And um, and then they, then they they
1: say they didn't vote. They didn't vote. Yep. They
19: didn't vote. Yeah. I'm like, what? You, then if you don't no vote, no opinion, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But someone said something about them. Um, uh, look, in their opinion, they felt it should be very straightforward. Maybe just, if somebody has a PPS number, they should be, once they're over, I can't remember what age they said, 18, they should be automatically registered yes. to vote.
1: I think what sparked that off, Fiona, was young Josh. He was 18 and he spoke to us about that. And he's, he was just talking about the complexity and the difficulty that he found in, in trying to register to vote.
19: I think it was during your panel last week. Mm.
1: Yes, the, they were responding the to that, the, yes.
19: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the panel with the young people, which was brilliant, actually. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, they, and I just thought, my, well, a second, I started to think about it, and you know, I looked, and under the um, immigration um, website, mm. it says that where somebody is granted, and I'm not making this about immigration, I'm just using this as an example Mm -hmm. of, I feel the danger of automatically linking a PPS number with the vote. That they were saying that if you were granted temporary um, asylum or Mm -hmm. whatever we're we're, we're calling it, um, that you will be issued with a PPS number. Mm -hmm. And I just then, I kind of followed that train of thought and I said, right, okay, so does that mean then that anybody who's fresh new into the country, for whatever reason, um, who gets a PPS number that they are entitled to a vote.
1: Well, in in the local elections, yeah.
19: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd be equally as concerned about those, you Mm. know. But um, in the local elections, so take take the local elections, which for some people can sometimes be a stepping stone to how things are going to go in the general election. You know, people sometimes tend to follow trends or follow what way they think the, the crowd is going. Maybe because they don't have time to do their own research or whatever. But the 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 thing that kind of occurred to me was I thought, well, if you're somebody who's been been brought in by the government and that they are being housed and you know when some people are being persecution, I don't doubt that for a second. And um, you know, and it's great that we do what we can to help. But you know, are you going to bite the hand that's feeding you? Are you going to vote against? Uh, what you see as a government right. who's bringing you So you think the they might feel,
1: feel obliged in some way, almost? Uh...
19: Not even obliged to, but I just think that they will feel, um, feel that this, these are the people they should vote for. Look at everything they're doing for us.
1: You know, and, and your and without, your concern around that is that it might skew uh, the results in some One hundred percent, one
19: hundred percent. I'm I'm. It's not even a concern. It's it's. I'm I'm. I go so far to say I'm certain it would skew any results. And I think the, I think nobody should be allowed to vote in this country until they've been here for about five years. You know, like you have to live in a community, you have to live in a country to get a feel for it and to, to learn a bit because, the, the, you know, we've had decades here of people. Oh, I. I, and, uh, I was reared in a staunchly Fianna Fáil household mm. and everyone belonging to me would have voted Fianna Fáil and uh, I'm probably the first generation that thought "Well, hang on a second now, what did they actually what are they saying, what did they stand for and I would, you know and I, uh, that's not the same thing about the people who went before me you, things were probably simpler more straightforward yeah. but yeah. it's just uh, and even coming to, to the vote then for this referendum, of course I, as I said I'm tuned in all last week mm. um you know, there was there was a, a contributor on last week, I think, and they said, um, I think they said something along the lines of that the, the, the argument that the, the refer- or the, the constitution, as it currently stands, is keeping women from careers. Mm. Mm. So I looked into that, and I, I could see that as it stands, Article forty-five point two point one, the wording is along the lines of gives all men and women equally the right to work and earn their own money. So the constitution, as I see it, is not keeping anyone from careers.
1: And do you feel um, that there's misinformation being put out there to get a certain result? Is that is that what you're saying to me, Fiona?
19: I'm like concerned. I'm concerned. I, I won't go so far as to accuse anyone of, of misinforming, mm. but I am concerned that there is a narrative being driven for. A, a yes vote, mm. and even your contributor this morning from the the Carers Association. Yes. You know, I was I was very struck by him for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I think anyone who's involved in the Carers Association, my heart goes out to them because nobody wants to be in a situation and Carers they've gone through horrendous things trying to get support for their families, mm. um, and it's it's an absolute national scandal. There's no question about that. And I struck by a couple of things that he said. You know, um, and I just thought. The, the desperate hope that's there besides what he was saying. And I actually wrote down in, in quotation marks mm-hmm. my gut is telling me that uh, voting yes will be a tiny step forward you know and yes, yeah
1: and and, and the, the danger cares. the other thing richie was saying that you know if this doesn't go through you're you're setting this back 20 years in terms of something being done for carers because when will this be picked up again i suppose was yeah. his
19: point but you me? see I, yeah. I think it's i think it's a separate issue i think you know i i yeah. completely agree that carers have been treated so badly look myself and my siblings we were carers for both my parents when they were towards the end of their lives you know it's a very difficult situation and we were lucky listen that was a very brief period in our lives Mm. people who are cares for for very sick children or family members for years and they're treated abominably Mm. but uh, and I, I think kind of those who are who are driving a vote yes narrative they really are preying on their desperation that something might change, and by his own acknowledgement, he said a tiny step forward. And like that addition that they're talking about bringing in for carers, it says, and I've underlined it mm. in, in quotes. And honestly, I, I could, I could, I could cry when I think about how they're being almost manipulated, uh, shall strive to support such yeah, yeah, provision. Yeah. Now, we've all, friends, stood on the door with politicians in our faces at election time and they promised this, that and the other, telling us everything we want to hear and, oh, look, I'll always do my best for you. It means nothing. And if you go then, let's take the emotion out of it and go to uh, Michael McDowell, one of the finest legal minds in the country. Like he is absolutely, like non negotiably saying, you have to vote no for this. And again, I was looking at the durable family relationship. Mm.
3: Yeah, you know, that's, that's the big calls. one
19: isn't it
1: what what that's exactly a is a durable one. relationship Yeah.
19: what is a durable relationship and you know I think that's where the kind of the cares are almost kind of coming in as you know that we want to be recognised you know if I'm caring for my aunt or my uncle or mm-hmm. my whatever it is that is a durable relationship and nobody is doubting that but good luck to those poor people um, driving this through because I can tell you one thing I can nearly guarantee it. And uh, this isn't my fine mind coming up with this. I'm reading stuff. Michael McDowell has like the courts are going to be clogged to the hills with challenges around this. But I can guarantee you one thing: there'll be no problem whatsoever with with the the, the government driving through. They'll say no, it's in the it's in the constitution. But if somebody challenges and say, well, actually, this word is kind of in the constitution. That's not going to cut it, and they will be defeated at every turn. And here's the thing yeah. about carers, Fran. Yeah, they're already at the point of losing the will to live. A lot of them, understandably so. And are they going to be able for a court battle to try and get mm. what? At, at, call, hu- the at a huge expense. Step
1: forward? At huge expense. Huge of expense. Of course. Yeah. And Do, up did you find not? Speaking of expense or lack of for for legal representation, oh, what, what yeah. did you make of what Flack are saying, though? I mean, are you taking that very seriously? Because they're they're making the point that the care amendment unlikely to provide carers, people with disabilities, or older yeah. people with new yeah. enforceable rights or improved services from the state. That's strong words from people who represent carers from time uh, to time.
19: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it's and and even just to to. to touch on the expense but just to put a real cold hearted hat on it you know what is this referendum costing and then last week we million. heard about the yeah. next overspend on the National Children's Hospital that one really ground my gears yes. and, and, it, it, and I actually wrote this down so I wouldn't, I wouldn't forget it's, it's the, something that keeps coming into my mind can someone explain to me what is broken about what we already have
1: Well, what I hear is that this is draconian language and, you know, it's not representative of where we are today in 2024 and it's unfortunate wording where where women are concerned, particularly.
19: But, But why is woman becoming a dirty word? That's what I can't understand. I was in the... Apparently... Um, well, it's the woman uh, in the home the, thing,
1: isn't it, that they're taking out something?
19: What was wrong with the woman in the home? I mean, I'm speaking as a woman who's out working, who loves working. Mm-hmm. But when my children were small, I had the luxury of having a... a brilliant husband who went out and slaved and worked and facilitated me being at home to rear my children like what is wrong with that and uh, the, I think it was the Irish Independent conducted a study that showed almost two out of three Irish uh, mothers would prefer to stay at home to rear their children if they had the option and if they're in a financial position to do so I mean this nonsense about saying that the, the, the constitutional stance is anti-women. It's kind of keeping us in our place, keeping us at home. Jesus, wouldn't we have the luxury? Wouldn't we love to have the luxury of being able to stay at home?
1: Yeah, because the the, the point of what's in there is that women should not by necessity have to work outside of the home. Yeah, uh, uh,
19: and that's a not the reality.
1: Yeah, the, yep. it's been interpreted differently, you figure, Fiona. Is that it?
19: Well, it, it's proven meanless. Meaningless, because you know, has anyone ever challenged the the, the, the constitution and said, you know, I under the constitution I have the right to to stay at home, but. But because of the cost of living, because of the wasted money gone into referendums and nonsense, and um, I mm. have to go out and work because otherwise we will lose my home. I want a home to stay in.
1: Fiona, but it's but it's fascinating to talk to you, but sadly I'm I'm out of time. But I hope we can pick this up again at, at some other stage, Fiona. But I appreciate your time and your eloquence today. Thank you for I, coming. Can on. I just?
19: Can I just quickly say, I know you're out of time, I just want to quickly say yeah. I, I really agonise about whether to come on or not, but I think the easiest thing in the world is to come on and trot out the government line, but it's we have to have people who are going to be brave enough to come on and say, can everyone please just think about this for a minute? It's not as straightforward as they're telling you, there are going to be implications down the line that are not good. So, mm. I'm kind of shaking here, but I'm, I'm glad I came well,
1: on. Well, you sound terrific, and uh, thank you so much <laughs> for your time this morning, Fiona. We appreciate it. That's thank you, and bye-bye, Thanks, bye-bye you uh, that's about it for me. Leanne produced Ali. Looked after her content today and uh, the time tunnel is on the way and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after
14: yourselves now. Bye-bye. Tip
9: today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Thank you.